Welcome back, everyone, to a very special episode of the VA Show with the Kings of Professional Wrestling podcast. Oh, wow. Did I mess that up for you, Justin? Uh, no, no, it's the, it's the Kings of Pro Wrestling podcast, but, you know, you oh. keep going. Keep going. All right, listen, this is the first. This is the first because I'm taking the reins on this show, but we are back with a very special episode, anticipated episode. Um, we announced this a couple weeks ago that we would be having a very special CM Punk related episode of the A Show. And we are here. I am Mills, of course, and I'm here with my co host, OG Johnny Five, Justin Davis. What's up, man? Uh, nothing much. Uh, super excited to talk about such a, a watershed moment in pro wrestling um, from 2014 to this day. I, I think it's we, we touched on it a small bit on our um, on our anniversary show. And uh, I think a bigger long form discussion was definitely, you know, supposed to be had here. But this is just a, a big moment. And I'm really excited about uh, having it. I am the best in the world. I've been the best ever since day one on this microphone, in that ring, even in commentary. And trust me when I tell you, I am the hottest property in this industry today. Nobody can touch me. The only thing that's real is me, day in and day out. I am the best in the world. Do I have everybody's attention now? And we have two special guests on this show and two guests that I'm I'm mad personally from myself that i wasn't be able to get on this during the anniversary show because of all the stuff that are happening in my life at this time um but we have two special guests i want to announce our first guest is co-host of espn's cheap heat we have stack guy greg what's up man hey what's going on fellas thanks for having me listen welcome back yeah, welcome back. Good to be back. Um, I think only one of you can officially welcome me back because the other one was, I think, furniture shopping or dog shopping or something. something <laughs> personal. I think I think I was furniture. It was a, it was a lot of different things going. On. <laughs> no, I, I think last time the my dog was the co-host because my dog filled in for meals, <laughs> right. and uh, meals was gone. But uh, once again, like Stack Guy Greg on the show once again. Last year, I, I have to say before we even start this, thank you so much for shouting us out on Cheap Heat. I was one of the I, I popped huge for that. I marked out for that. Oh no, of course, of course. I appreciate you guys having me on. So anything, and I enjoy the show too. Just um, listening as a fan. So anything I can do to help help pop the show, I'm happy to do. And we have another guest on the line. I think this one is very special, considering he is from Chicago. He is a he's a writer. He's a cover of all things culture. He is none other than Ernest Wilkins, who we've had on the show as well. So welcome back, Ernest. I mean, I can't welcome you back. I guess Justin can welcome you <laughs> Welcome back, back Ernest. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me back. Reporting live from the A-plus wrestling city that is Chicago. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> was getting like that already. Listen, <laughs> it's been very wild for Chicago the last couple of weeks. <laughs> we're killing it, baby. It's out here. We're, we're doing a lot. There's a lot going on. <laughs> it's it's been very very well for Chicago, but you guys have been surviving, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. say so. I would think that's a great way to say. Oh my God! But nonetheless, we are here to talk about CM Punk, and I couldn't think of two guests that you know. One with you know Ernest, who's just from Chicago, can kind of just tell us a lot about just like CM Punk and the and the city and what he means to the city, and Greg himself, who's just covered all of this for the last number of years on Cheap Heat. 
But the first thing I guess I want to talk about it, and and then it relates to CM Punk. It's just generally what are everyone's feelings on CM Punk? Well, maybe what are their feelings of CM Punk right before all of this happened? And this is the anniversary show of when CM Punk walked out. I'm sorry if I didn't introduce that at first, but this is, it's been five years since CM Punk walked out of the WWE. He uh, it was the it's been referred to as that night in Cleveland. It's been referred to as just the night CM, the, the sort of maybe even wrestling kind of changed for a bit because I do believe that, you know, a lot of things dominoed after CM Punk left the WWE. But uh, I want to get everyone's kind of take on like, and, and maybe I'll start, I'll start with you, Ernest, and just like CM Punk before this walkout, what are your thoughts on him? How do you feel about him just generally as a fan, as a, you know, as a fellow Chicagoan? Um, so I will start off with an anecdote. Um, I personally really enjoyed a couple of weeks back. Um, I don't know if you saw Seth Rollins jumped on Twitter and it was right before the, I don't know if it's annual now, but it feels like it is the Chris, the day after Christmas show in Chicago for WWE and mm-hmm. Seth Rollins being from the quad cities, which is South of here, you know, in I like right over the border in Iowa. Um, he he kind of came up in the same kind of time frame that I did with regards to oh that's the uh, that's the Twitter police getting ready to come get me I think. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was just gonna point out that those that, sounds are not me. Usually, if you hear those, like, sorry, that I mean, come me, on, but, uh, listen, it's usually time, I'm not that guy. Oh, it's me. I live in Chicago. We can make the stereotype if you'd like to. Um, <laughs> so basically, what I was saying is, as far as you know, what Seth was writing about, he talked about you know, the history of Chicago's indie scene and kind of the scene around the Midwest where you look at federations like, you know, and I know, and I wish they got, you know, the level of respect that they deserve because they, they cranked out so many great wrestlers. You think about like IWA Mid-South, you know, I think early Ring of Honor stuff, the stuff Dave Prezak did in the city with Shimmer and, you know, Dreamwave wrestling back in the day. And now currently the kind of scenes that like freelance wrestling and a, you know, uh, AAW putting on super like dream cards every month. Like it's a situation where the, the wrestling scene in Chicago, having been around forever and been a real stronghold for wrestling has produced a lot of really great wrestlers. But at the risk of hyperbole, I mean, if, if okay, number one, he's one a, you know what I'm saying? And I think that's something that for my generation specifically, we watched this guy wrestle in the suburbs, you know, out in Mo- like Mokina, Illinois and places where, you know, you're not really paying attention to what the culture is, but those people are living and breathing wrestling. And he's a product of that. You know, he's from down, you know, he's from the city too. So he understands kind of going to these shows and like only getting, you know, back when WWF and WCW were running pay-per-views, you know, in the city all the time and ECW running pay-per-views and having like Billy Corgan come out and stuff like that. Like he's a product of kind of the same upbringing. I am in that sense. He's a little older than me, but it's kind of the same generation. So from that perspective, I I kind of have an affinity for him, Coco Bana, Chris Hero, who's now Cassius Ono, like Adam Pierce, um, any you know the late Larry Sweeney, like all of these really fantastic wrestlers, and everybody you know who comes out out of Shimmer, like the fantastic wrestlers, fantastic promoters, people who could put shows together, but also people who got around and built their name up. You know what I'm saying, like. Those guys used to just, and I don't know if anyone's ever seen it, but I would advise everybody here that's listening to go back and find Cole Cabana's movie, The Wrestling Road Diaries. I think that's one of the best examples of kind of the, I can't call it the Midwest scene, but it's a pretty good like look at independent wrestling life. And a lot of the people featured in it are Midwesterners and people from the Chicagoland area. 
Punk is the best case scenario out of all of that. And I think he has outshone a lot of what has come, you know, since him. But I think the biggest thing is you don't ever get the credit sometimes you deserve for being first. And I think for a lot of things, he was the first to do it. And so to that credit, I will always look at him with a level of esteem near in a lot of ways. Raven, my father is exactly like you. And since day one in Ring of Honor, where fighting spirit is supposed to be revered, things aren't supposed to be this way. I'd shake your hand like a normal man, but see, the truth is I don't respect you. I hate you. I hate you for everything you've pissed away, everything I scrimped and I clawed for that I haven't even earned yet, that you got handed to you, and you flushed down a toilet. For what? For pills? For booze? For alcohol? For women? I am born of your poison society. So on the 17th of July, I will become a monster to fight the monsters of the world. And your time in Ring of Honor will be done. And that is a promise because this is true. This is real. This is straight edge. Greg, what would, what would you say for, you know, covering him with, as part of GP, just been a fan for a number of years, just your overall, like, thoughts, your experiences with CM Punk just before this walkout, like, everything building up, because it, it feels like at one point he was one of the biggest professional wrestlers on earth. And and he was. Um, yeah, just before the walkout, I'd say I was like everybody else. I was a fan. Um, I enjoyed his in-ring work. I enjoyed him on the mic. And... um I thought I, I believed I believed the hype, um, and I'll leave that there because I know we're going to ask about how we feel after the fact and things like that. So I'll leave that there. It's just um, I enjoyed the hype, and um, he I really bought into everything he was selling, as far as him being the best, and uh, nobody in the ring being able to touch him um, in the ring on the microphone. Just him being absolutely miles ahead of everybody. Um, and that's a testament to his skill as a pro wrestler, but not just in the ring, but in, in all aspects of of pro wrestling, right? The hype, the pomp and circumstances, the storytelling, right. all of it. You're not a CM Punk guy. I know that. I'm glad you found your famous grapefruits and you can say that to my face in front of the world. But you should be a CM Punk guy. You... You don't get it. You still don't. I'm the best in the world. I'm the WWE champion. A year and a half ago, I said that I was just a spoke on the wheel. Fast forward to now, today, right now, I'm not a spoke on the wheel. I am the wheel. Not only am I the greatest thing that ever happened to you in this company, I'm the best thing you got right now, and you still want to sit here with that indignant look on your face, and you dare disrespect me, Justin? Yeah, um, for someone for I'll, I'll say and I'll intro you for someone who also previous podcast named Voice of the Voiceless. Yeah, there is no there is no you know dispute that at one point I don't know if you are now, but maybe we'll discuss that that you were a major CM Punk mark. I, uh, I mean. A lot of people might not know this. A lot of people, I've never really said this, but like CM Punk is the guy who defined what straight edge was for me. 
Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't consider myself that if I had never seen him in, when I was a, fresh, a freshman in college, when I was watching old ROH. And I was getting really enraptured into indie wrestling. And he was more than just like a wrestler to me. He was, uh, he was a mission statement. You know, he, he was literally somebody that I looked to. It was like, you know, I can do whatever I want to do. I can be whatever I want to be and not have to do any of these vices because this guy did it. I remember looking at the best in the world DVD documentary and being like, wow, this is the most, and it's today it's still one of the most incredible things WWE's ever done. But I think, I, I think that, I mean, it's, it's immeasurable how big of a fan that I was of him at the time. I, I remember literally tearing up when he debuted in ECW because I would have to go find like rips of, of uh, old OVW shows to see, you know, to like see his, his old matches right. with like Brent Albright and stuff like that. It, it was, it was, huge my fandom for him was very huge so like you know when i say that voice of the voices like when i named my podcast that that was completely in 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 homage to him you know like it's goes without saying that i was a huge cm punk fan i think generally the world was a huge cm punk fan because when you talk about i mean i already hinted at as the one of the biggest wrestlers in the world in 2013 cm punk was kind of everywhere i mean after the pipe bomb thing and and we can talk about the pipe bomb briefly and just like how it catapulted him because it really instead of you know it it really was a moment that by any stretch of imagination a lot of contracts end and a lot of contracts expire and people go on their own separate ways and sometimes they show up in dna and sometimes they show up in new japan and sometimes they show up all over the world but this was the most publicized like exit from a company that we ever saw and the fact that it was weaved into a storyline and it was you know it was obviously a rehash of the ROH storyline where he signed to the WWE and it's kind of I don't think it had all the dramatics of the ROH storyline but it was on a major stage and it was that promo that kind of sent him into a different spectrum and it is it's the spectrum that divides like to me people like the people like the and I god how can I do this without throwing shade at people? Um, <laughs> it, it's the spectrum that separates the people from like the Dolph Ziggler's and the Cesaro's. People who, if you're wrestling fans, you know them, and you're very you're very understandable of all the content. But then you you reach the next level, and you have the people like the Y2Js, the the um, the Triple H, the Rocks, the Stone Colds, everything like that, where you reach the next level, and people just beyond wrestling. If you're <laughs> you don't have to be a wrestling fan to know them. And just know CM Punk. Just to like, um, I'll, I'll just say this though: Y2J, Triple H, and CM Punk are on different levels than uh, The Rock, Stone Cold, and Hulk Hogan. Oh, oh well, but, yes. But I'll agree; it did it did throw him <laughs> a level above the Dolph Ziggler. Thank, well, you, know thank what, you for though, that. To that point, though, to that point, though, I think there's something that needs to be said about. So, if you want to look at it from the standpoint of like the pantheon of the great greats, that's cool. But like. Is, there's a step from come, how many indie darlings have you seen kind of come to the league and, and then the league in this case being WWE and kind of not find a direction, get stuck in a tag team that doesn't go anywhere. Like even getting to that, if you want to say that second tier is still a pretty tremendous accomplishment. So I don't want to downplay that. I, th- I think just in general, I mean, he, he was essentially, I don't know if there was a prototype from the sort of that ROH arrow, um of like the superstar success you can actually have that isn't cm punk i mean it would we, be brian it'd be brian you think so yeah it'd it would brian. but the thing is i yeah, think you I don't agree. i don't think you okay i'll say this and this is just kind of my thing like 
I think the reality era that Punk brought in himself gave WWE a kick in the ass at a time that it needed one. And I think the reality era co- coincided really well with two different things, right? I think the rise of the E! television shows, the Total Diva show, and the rise of the, the general sense of like the network itself, but also factor in just social media changing, right? Like the reality era, as we call it, isn't just, oh, they're using, you know, work to shoot promos. They're literally talking about the fact that, you know, they're going to acknowledge that Ring of Honor exists on television. They're going to acknowledge that New Japan is a thing that takes place. They're going to acknowledge that these wrestlers that we are, the audience has seen wrestle overseas or in Mexico or wherever for the last 10 years or TNA are now, oh, they wrestled somewhere else for a long time. That was, that's a real strong break from WWE tradition. Like they never did that. And so it's a situation. Well, I would say, I would say not since the Monday Night Wars. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so I think the, the point that I'm trying to get to is that he not only gave the Bryans and those international workers a platform because he said, hey, you know, I'm going to get in front of this. But when I get the belt, I'm going to show off like the Luke Gallows of the world. I'm going to give lights to a Molly Holly. Like know. those kind of people. I don't know. I have to disagree with that because and um, people point to the pipe bomb, right? And they point to that as this moment where WWE was finally looking at indie stars differently and signing them up. But I mean, that I understand where that means something in terms of like the CM Punk lore and and the mythology, but it's it's honestly, it couldn't be further from the truth. Like WWE was already signing up indie stars. They already had their eye on people. Um, when Punk gives his pipe bomb, they had already tried to sign Nigel McGuinness. Yeah. Um, they had already had their eye on Samoa Joe and Jim Ross determined that he wasn't a good fit for them. So he ended up going to TNA. Daniel Bryan was already on the roster, had already won money in the bank. Um, you know, they already were looking at Seth Rollins. I think Seth Rollins actually Seth was, was there. in the company. Yeah, right. Um, Seth was there. You know, they, they famously in. published yeah. that list of indie stars that they wanted to to take and, you know, Kevin Steen was on the list. Um, El Gennaro was on the list. Are Rob Naylor's thing? But, like, that that to me is kind of tricky because then at that point... Pipe point which, bomb, though. We, so, like, to say that yeah. the pipe bomb is what made WWE look at the indies and take them seriously, I, wouldn't, I, I have to disagree. No, I, I, think, I didn't no, 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 business I don't, as yeah, usual. No one said that. No, no, no. I, I didn't say that. I mean, I said the pipe bomb was pivotal in CM Punk's entire sort of the story thing. But I do think CM Punk is one of the most pivotal, you know, in terms of the current day landscape of WWE, where you have all these independent talents that have gone on to have success, I do think CM Punk was a major blueprint for that. Because, for yeah. for for instance, I don't think a lot of it happened before CM and CM Punk was one of the first major ones. Like, uh, you know, that actually kind of worked out. You remember when Low Key signed to WWE, and then they, you know fixed him as Caval, and then it just never kind of stuck. And they had a few other talents. I mean, even like a Frankie Kazarian never really worked out. A lot of different people who worked a lot on the independent scenes just kind of never worked out. But CM Punk was the one that kind of just broke through, broke the mold. And and, and a lot of it to me was the fact that they never changed. Yeah. He was kind of himself, and they and, and they never changed him and try to repackage him as like this new WWE molded guy. I hear that, I hear that, but to say that, um, it sort of ignores that Daniel Bryan was doing the same exact thing right there. They changed his name, sure. Well, he but got he fired. Still, I think the difference, fired, the difference yeah. still the kid in the, the difference with tights. 
No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. The he thing got is, fired because he he broke he broke a man. Right, but what I'm saying he is, fired because he wasn't skillful and because he wasn't being positioned. He wasn't gone for that long. He came back after a few months and went right into championship pictures and major storylines. Well, here's my question: Does he have the blueprint to take a white hot independent feud and translate it into a direct main roster opportunity like Punk did? He. We, Using the example of the storyline, using the example of the storyline that he already utilized in Ring of Honor to success, which got him a higher profile going into NXT, not NXT, I'm sorry, a higher profile going into OVW, which had a young J5 seeking mm-hmm. out his tapes. Like, I think Brian's thing was, okay, I got fired. I'm going to go work the indies, get my shit together, get my work rate up. Drew McIntyre, all of these, like, I think he also brought the, the kind of impetus to these younger guys to say like, hey, I don't think he deserves all the credit. I will say that. But I think he deserves a lot of it. Because okay. he's the one that, let me take something hot and not change anything about it because I know the fans are going to ride with it. And he's proven right multiple times. So, it's the exact inverse of Zach. Because I think if that was the case, if, if it was a situation where the machine benefited him off of something that he was doing and they just turned it to the next level, why didn't Zack Ryder work? Zack Ryder was cracking off the internet in WWE. Well, because Zack the in ring, the in ring for Zack Ryder, the in ring for Zack Ryder didn't match up to Punk. No, let's let's be clear. Because they didn't want him to work, they took his heat and they transferred it right over to John Cena, which was what Cena was doing with everybody. But to answer your right. question about um, CM Punk coming off of a white hot feud and then becoming this big deal in WWE, that that didn't happen. He signed to WWE in about. I want to say 2005, 2006. Yeah, he signed in 05, and then but the thing, but let's, let's, he let's, doesn't get he doesn't get white hot using that Ring of Honor feud until six years later. You're right. Okay, so I'll take that. I'll take that so, back. I'll take that back. What so, I'm what I'm so saying when you is, look at Daniel Bryan though. Daniel mm-hmm. Bryan signs in 2010. He gets fired. He comes back, and he's immediately that white hot character. And again, this is all predating. The walkout, <laughs> the walkout, the pipe bomb. This is yeah. all before that. Okay, so, so getting getting Ryan away. Ryan and CM Punk are both doing it right there at the same time. But like yeah. I said, I mean, it was easy to buy into the hype of CM Punk because he was just infinitely better than Daniel Bryan on the here's, microphone. Here's the point that I'll story. make about the heat thing, and we can move on. Punk left Ring of Honor, and in 2005, you were correct. He signed with OVW. He signed with WWE. Went to OVW first, right? You know, I think the point that we also don't. And calling back to what you were talking about with that documentary earlier, Paul Heyman himself, who is sitting there after SmackDown 6, is kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing, goes, I'll go work with that guy. Yeah. Right? I'm going to go. And he said on the, the documentary himself, I saw him and I was like, I will go work to develop him because I think he's going to be something crazy. Right? So I think to that point, even if he didn't have a white hot feud set up, I think he had enough of that you know, this guy's going to be the best or that that prodigy level of like, oh God, we got to get this kid figured out because he's going to be a star without so, changing uh, any integral piece of who he was. Because the thing is, remember, remember it's early NXT, you know, it's a situation where this dude wasn't even on NXT. He just went straight to that ECW thing and everybody was like, he was the only thing on the no show NXT. for a long time. There was, no there was no NXT. NXT started in um, 2000. Oh, yeah, it, it was FCW at that time. I was saying he skipped that completely. OVW. He that didn't, though. He went to OVW. Right, but I'm saying they didn't. CW either. Okay, then I made a mistake, and I apologize. So <laughs> no, I saw it. He did go through <laughs> developmental, but um, I guess to your point, which I don't know if this takes away or from from your point or adds to it, though, you bring in Paul Heyman, and Paul Heyman is just a genius. That that doesn't make 
you know, CM Punk is great, but Paul Heyman is a genius. And part of the genius of Paul Heyman is that he can take somebody and hide their weaknesses and elevate their strengths to the point where you think this guy is the man. Mm -hmm. And you just run down the roster of ECW champions that he made after WWE and WCW was plucking talent. Um, he made Rob Van Dam look like the man without anybody realizing that he can't say anything on the mic. I'm just he incredible. Made, he made Rhino Fucking, look like the man. Just all the Montoya. Like so, <laughs> you know, putting CM Punk in Paul Heyman's hands, he was bound to shine. Now, um, I don't know that that takes away from your point, though, because... Like I don't know. You ask said, Curtis Punk, Axel. I don't know. Yeah, ask Ryan. I mean, <laughs> at that point, WWE was just asking for two, for two right. bucks, right? But, um, but no, CM Punk, that doesn't take away from Punk, though, because Punk was was gold, and I just don't, I don't think that um, they would have got that out of him without Paul Heyman. Right. And, and and I think, you know, over the over the last number of years, I mean, even since, you know, signing to WWE and, and, and he was world champion, but it kind of it didn't even seem like at the point like he was the world champion. It just kind of right. seemed like he was a guy who was, you know, he was just a guy holding the title as opposed to the actual, you know, face of the company. And, and it really led to a lot of frustrations in 2011. Now, um, they overcame those frustrations and he resigned and he managed to kind of, you know, figure he, he he goes on to have the longest wwe championship reign in modern history until i guess pete dunn just a couple of weeks ago <laughs> or brock lesnar even last year um he goes to have one of the longest reigning modern championship runs and at this point of his career where he should be having the highest highs i mean the man is facing he, he started off 2013 he faced the rock he had a very incredible match with john cena that me and Justin still talk about to this day, as opposed to the one at you know Money in the Bank. He had this really great one on Monday Night Raw. Um, he oh, has when a... he busted out the pile driver. That oh yeah, yeah, seen yeah. Before or since? Yes. <laughs> um, that one especially. That one directly. He had a, he had another he had another major feud with um the Undertaker heading into WrestleMania, which isn't something that a lot of people can actually say. The last good Undertaker match. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> uh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You made a decision on that one. Oh my god. Yeah. And the the he he came through the summer, had a nice feud with Brock Lesnar. So all this is going on in 2013, but at the same time he's experiencing quite possibly the most frustrating point of his career where he feels like even despite being putting all these situations and probably Vince McMahon being like, come on, you're in a main event feud with the rock and Oh, come on. You're in a, you're in a major headline and feud with Brock Lesnar. He's still like, I'm not getting the credit that I deserve. Um, I'm not main eventing WrestleMania, which to me is that it's really everything that leads into this walkout. And it's not everything, but it's a major part of it. Of just like, I'm not being taken. Um, I don't think I'm being given the credit that I, I should for, you know, creating these stars and having these moments and being one of the being one of the guys who outsells John Cena and merch, the only guy who's done in whatever a decade, maybe, and not I, getting those. I, I even think that that's kind of horseshit. And I've always thought that it was horseshit, even when he said it. Even, I mean, I was still behind him, but I was like, when you look at his 2013, <laughs> like when you look at his 2013 campaign, he wasn't losing to anybody outside of like part timers. You know, or like the the established guys that were on his level, which was which is how it should go, right? He wasn't yeah. putting he wasn't putting over the shield. He, he beat, beat the shield three to one. Yeah, he beat all of them by himself. Uh, he beat them he, individually and then beat them all in a match. Yeah, and on a pay per view at that. Yeah. Um. He beat. He won the Ryback feud undisputedly. 
Like there was like no question he won that right. My back was undefeated going into that feud too, yep. by the way. Yeah, uh he, he never lost to literally anybody that he shouldn't and, and this is the thing that I think people get uh they kind of get confused about with the with the current TV where it's like these guys are losing and when and you know Roman's not you know he's not losing to people like Roman Reigns loses a lot. Like, and I don't think people realize that. Like, when Punk was the top guy, I mean, even Cena lost a lot. When you think about it, like Cena lost to Punk for a whole year until yeah. until that Raw match. CM Punk barely ever late. Like, CM Punk was literally like the Austin of the of this era at that point. He never really lost ever. And I think when his his biggest frustrations was like, oh, I I, I didn't get a commercial. I didn't, you know, they they pick Sheamus for it. And I, I think no. Nah, I think his it's biggest like, frustration was. Who's going to be there the next night after he lost to these guys? Yep. Who's going it's to be sad. there? It's just, they turned it into a storyline. They turned that frustration into the I have disgruntled feelings about part-time wrestlers storyline that Roman uses, that Cena tried to use. Like, he did, in that sense, he was one of the first main event wrestlers in the company to say, hey, why are we giving all of our main focus and time to these guys who are never here? I think there's some validity to that. He, uh... I mean, I feel like Cena was saying that towards The Rock before Punk was ever kind of hot. But even still, like they turned they turned everybody's frustrations into storyline. They've been doing that. That's Bro. been their mo forever. And I think my issue with Punk, well, not my issue, but um, is that he took those frustrations and he like he bought into the hype. Like he really believed that he should be main events in WrestleMania. He really believed that he should be getting these these looks over these part timers when. He should. It's a business, though. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a business. So if they're bringing in more money and then you get your bonus check is bigger because they inflated the bottom line across the board, then I don't know how much right you have to complain about that, especially like if you can't step into that role and generate um, that much money. Like nobody's yeah. going to outdraw the rock. So I think it's it's tough so for us to say up, because do what he does. It, it's tough because you want to you want to give the benefit of the doubt. Everybody's putting the show together every night, right? And you want to say, these people are doing the best possible job they can to make as much money as possible and provide the fans with an, a, a very entertaining show, right? So I don't, I get kind of grossed out sometimes when we're like, you know, he didn't feel like he was the main event guy or something like that because he definitely was. But I think the thing that grosses me out is like the, I don't know, we don't, none of us know the conversations that were taking place back behind the scenes with that, with that company, right? We don't know what he was suggesting or what was being put towards that. But I do, I'm sorry, towards, you know, the realization of some of the frustrations that he had. Like, we don't know if they said, like, no, you're actually, we don't want to support you because we don't think you're going to draw enough. We don't know. That's and so I think what, what I, what I want to do is, is take that piece of it away and say, yes, the frustrating part about his career is that we have the what if of what happens if he sticks around and continues to level up, right? But I also have to say, like, looking at the career, it's been five years. You know, inevitably, maybe he will come back. He's only 40. Like, I've seen wilder shit happen. Yeah. But yeah. I think the thing Brooke for me is just like, yeah, stroke. yeah <laughs> straight up. Straight up. One I mean, time. yes. <laughs> so anything is possible in that realm. But I think the thing that I'm trying to kind of grasp if, whereas when talking about his legacy is saying, like, influentially, I believe, CM Punk got a lot of people back into wrestling. I think that is a, a a term. I'm sorry, not a term, but I think that's something that he can claim because he has the results to show it, right? Using using the fact that I don't think people were getting back into WWE with the level that they probably would have 
that they probably did post pipe bomb with the PG era. And I think, and I can only speak about that myself because that's when I stopped watching. I stopped watching right before WrestleMania 23-ish, 24-ish. Do you, guys think he, do you guys yeah. think he wrote the pipe bomb? Do you guys think he wrote the pipe bomb? I think he wrote, I think, I think he wrote they worked most on of it. it and then, Everybody worked on it together. Yeah. And I think that he had some some things that he was going to say. And I think they told him to go out there and talk until they cut your mic off. Uh, yeah, I think that like, yeah, I think that the I, I shoot, definitely shoot the aspect, script. yeah, like the shoot aspect of that is like, as I've gotten older, it's it's like, worn, like, and I've learned more about the business. It's like worn down even more. It's like, People still think that it was absolutely a shoot, and I think that that's great in a in a Santa Claus is still real kind of way. Right, but yeah. uh, I I don't think he wrote. I think it, it might have been seventy thirty. I've grabbed so many of Vincent K. McMahon's imaginary brass rings that it's finally dawned on me that they're just that they're completely imaginary. The only thing that's real is me, and the fact that day in and day out. For almost six years, I have proved to everybody in the world that I am the best on this microphone, in that ring, even at commentary. Nobody can touch me. And yet, no, how many, no matter how many times I prove it, I'm not on your lovely little collector cups. I'm not on the cover of the program. I'm barely promoted. I don't get to be in movies. I'm certainly not on any crappy show on the USA Network. I'm not on the poster of WrestleMania. I'm not in the signature that's produced at the start of the show. I'm not on Conan O'Brien. I'm not on Jimmy Fallon. But the fact of the matter is I should be. And trust me, this isn't sour grapes. But the fact that Dwayne is in the main event of WrestleMania next year, and I'm not, makes me sick. But yeah. I also feel like, in terms of the delivering this promo, you can believe, and then that's probably why people, you know, I mean, you don't know how the presents get there. They just do. And you're just kind of <laughs> like, oh, my God, it's got to be Santa Claus. Like, there's got to be, the, the people believe it because of the, the sort of, conviction behind that actual promo. Like, the, the promo where he says it, the 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 little lines of like, Hey, Colt Cabana, like all those other types of things. And the, and the mic cutting off, it was the entire sort of delivery behind it, which to me is amazing, but yeah, it's a, you know, I think whether he actually wrote the, I, do I don't think, think he, it matters. I yeah. I don't think it matters, but I do feel, I do feel like in a sense, I could imagine his frustrations in the, in the workplace. And I think we can all talk about frustrations in the workplace at various points in our lives where you feel like at some point someone is being given credit and you're doing, you're working as hard as you can and you're working and trying to create these ideas and you have all these ideas and people are just like, mm, well, no. And then you see someone else deliver this idea. And then you're just like, come on. Like there's no, there's no, his entire gripe with the, a lot of the things uh, that he talked about on the podcast was a lack of communication. But here's the thing about that though right is like so we've been speaking about his career in the wwe and we've been we've been mashing up um an, an almost 10-year career to make it sound like it was a two-year thing where right. like he comes in he's white hot nobody listens to him so he gives this promo he goes on a legendary championship run that you know we're talking about like it lasted five minutes it was it was almost two years that he had the belt and so like he was happy 
and then he was frustrated again. I think he was frustrated out. even when he had the belt because I don't even think you can. Rem- I think his point was if he has the belt, he has to be the face of the of the company, and and then that wasn't the case because unfortunately, the way things lined up with him, he was cu- he was champion at the same time the Rock was coming back on his run, and you know that 2011, even the night he won the championship, the Rock main evented that show. Yeah, um but- even when even and then at the wrestlemania rock main events that too i mean the night after wrestlemania brock lesnar comes back and now brock lesnar's the fixture and everyone's going but, after him and but it's just- that's the business and like you cannot take you okay. cannot take it personally because like even if you want to go back right with the wwe championship and that title again this is not a thing that they started doing to punk and that was done to him well it's still um, happening now even yeah actually right but but even like go back right the most popular wrestler on the WWE roster before WrestleMania three is Andre the Giant, not Hulk Hogan. So he's got to be the champion. He's not even the guy. He becomes the guy after WrestleMania three. Randy Savage has the belt, and he's not the guy. It's still Hulk Hogan. Ric Flair has the championship and defends it in the middle of the card mm-hmm. at SummerSlam and WrestleMania. And this is this is a decade before Punk even steps into the ring. So this yep. is not something that they're doing to him. This is business. And as somebody who's been in the business, he should understand. But but he did what we did. He bought into the hype. Now, we're supposed to. We're the fans. Like, he's selling us something. But, but what is he on? Turn that up. I mean, Turn how many up. of those guys that you named have also been disgruntled with the WWE of their, you know, of their they position came, they there? They came back. They they came disgruntled back. enough to walk out? None of them. They came None back. Them. They also they came the back. Job, and then they left on good terms. They didn't walk out in the middle of a show. Rick Flair didn't Rick Flair not walk out in the middle of the show. He definitely didn't walk out in the middle of the show, but Rick Flair is like, eh, I'm going back to WCW. This place isn't yeah, that fun. After fulfilling his contractual obligations. Mm. And I think that will always be my hang up about punk is that finish the job. You know, like that's always gonna be my hang up about. And I think that's with anyone. I think Stone Cold yeah. says it at length. You know, he said it a but lot Stone of times. Cold did that shit too, because Stone Cold was supposed to job to Brock Lesnar on Raw and didn't do it. But he always, but Stone Cold <laughs> always. <laughs> Stone Cold, he's a hypocrite on that because he. Did, but, he but, no, he no, he's not. He's all, he's always. Bro, he, yeah, he didn't have to put up Brock Lesnar. I know, but, 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 but Austin said, said Austin said he he regrets doing it. He's right. always said he regrets doing it. He's not being a hypocrite because he said that I'm saying this fully knowing that I did that before and and saying right. now I should have never done that. Yeah, he's saying we were both wrong. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's hypocritical, but no. I'm just thinking in the sense a lot of I've heard that being used as an example of like, well, Stone Cold never walked. I'm like, yes, he fucking did. But anyway, I, I think it's a situation where I agree with everything that's being said right now. Right. I think it's a situation where you have to have a level of professionalism. You have to, you know, finish the job. I also think that there's a situation where if you know, if he wants to come back, he wants to come back. If he doesn't, he doesn't. I think discussing his legacy is as everybody just kind of on the page of like he was influential, but he shouldn't have left the way he did. Like, I don't understand really, you know, I think there's a lot of other stuff that needs to be unpacked around his career, not just in WWE, but just in wrestling in general. Because to be honest with you, I think everybody was kind of just like, okay, the UFC thing seems kind of like a uh why kind of move. And so I think talking about his legacy past the narrative that we have kind of already established in the first half of this is saying, like, we know that, right? So we know for a fact he was a champ, he was kicking ass, he left, he shouldn't. And we pretty much, I think everyone has kind of seen over the last couple of years that that was not the decision he probably should have made, right? Right. Right. So I think the thing for Uh, me is, like, talking about his legacy, like, what I'd like to love and I'd love to talk about a little bit is, like, 
the stuff that he got done while he was there, I think is still some pretty innovative stuff. And I want to be able to shine that because I'm sure there's people listening here who only know CM Punk through either, you know, the network or the occasional pipe bomb video retrospective. You know well, what I'm saying? I mean, without, without a doubt, Punk being in the WWE raised the work rate, uh, yep. introduced us to new moves, introduced us to a more MMA centric type of style and into the shows before Brock even got there. Uh, obviously promos, obviously straight edge society was, was tremendous as far as being in SmackDown and kind of like the doldrums of SmackDown at that point. And like, yeah, the, he was the, in the pits with yeah. Luke Gallows and Molly Holly making it work every single week. And I think well, this is Serena Deeb. Serena, Serena Deeb. Deeb. I apologize. Yeah. I apologize. Sorry. That's uh, your bald white lady. Conf- <laughs> yeah, I got my bald white lady. <laughs> <laughs> it's been you. 50, 50. 50, 50. It was a shot. Um, but the other thing is it's also, I think about little things, right? Like I think about, I'm a really big fan of when pro wrestlers show homages to other things, like in wrestling history, right? Like don't headbutt a Samoan or things like that. Where like when Macho Man Randy Savage died and Punk like wore special trunks for him for yeah. like six weeks and didn't change it, didn't acknowledge it, didn't talk about it. Like and little stuff like that. The SummerSlam. Bret Hart trunks, like, you know, working in moves to, to honor wrestlers that have died or, you know. trunks do, in you Boston know. against yep. You know what I'm saying? Like doing heart attacks, you know, that kind of stuff. And like when, you know, Jerry Lawler was messed up, he did a fist drop. And when he had the heart attack, like all little things like that, where I feel like from a wrestler, at least for a fan of wrestling and somebody who's been a fan of it for a long time, I appreciate those little hidden highlights. Like I like those things. And I think Punk is one of the best wrestlers in history to do those little things. The business like that, that make things kind of feel a little like he makes this very small world feel a little bit bigger, and I appreciate. It. I agree. Um, there was a lot of things in that 2013 that you know just compounded a lot of his frustrations as well, and a lot of it was injuries. Um, he was injured, he, or he seemed to be working through being banged up all, all at the same time. He's like putting over the Rock, and he's putting over John Cena, and he's putting over the Undertaker. And at some point, he just said, "Listen, enough is enough." At least from every all the words on this podcast, "Enough is enough." I want some time off, and he felt like he wanted to get the time off. At least he, again said on the podcast that you know other superstars like you know Shawn Michaels or people that have been sort of owed these times between WrestleMania and SummerSlam. I'm banged up. I can't really work right now. Now, my arm can't even move. Um, I, I need some time off. And a lot of that compounded. He was brought back. He always felt like, in his opinion, like even when he was banged up, he would still be called back to work and then he would still do the, you know, still work and still do the job and still put people over. And all of this kind of leads up to this major moment at, at Royal Rumble 2014. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if anyone has any other points before we hit because. Royal Rumble 2014 is kind of like the point of no return after this. Yeah, because just to just to speak on like the injury stuff, and I I don't know how he felt going into it, but again, like in my head, I just have to think like, and maybe this is me being resentful that he walked out, but it's like, okay, you had a surgery, and you were called back before your time, but it's again like these are not things that they are doing to you. Like this has been Andre had a back surgery. And then they called him back for WrestleMania 3 to get slammed on his back. <laughs> Bret Hart had knee surgery. They called him back and trotted him out in a wheelchair to prep for a match um, against Shawn Michaels. That didn't end up happening. Like, they do this to everybody. It's, I'm finding it hard to feel sorry for him in these moments. And I'm, again, I'm sure this is because me selfishly as a fan, like, I want to see him out there. But, like, 
I don't. I just don't get okay, it. But can you it. agree? Can you agree that it's wrong that Vince and WWE does these things? Like I think they do oh, this yeah, way less. Yeah, everybody's yeah, like, on the page. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I I always thought that was fucked up. I thought he like, had a, dude, absolutely had a point. Need more more time off. Like they need they need an off season. Um, uh, yeah, that especially I agree. in in that time between WrestleMania and SummerSlam when like European tours. I guess they oh. have money in the bank now. So like, yeah. yeah. But they still have Everybody the European to tour. Take- I think work. they should take off after Survivor Series until the Rumble, personally. Yeah, that would be perfect. Give yeah, because nothing even happens. Nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> nothing happens. Not. That's even better than than considering WrestleMania, like, the, the season finale. Right. Because then you get a little bit more after that. But a lot of things sort of built up until Royal Rumble 2014, where... Um, he entered the Royal Rumble. He was set to have this um, it start to be the beginning of this major program. He was going to head into WrestleMania with Triple H with. And, you know, by the sounds of the podcast, he may not even have been happy about that, given his prior work with Triple H. And I'm talking about 2011, where, you know, he was having the summer of punk. It felt like he was he was one of the biggest wrestlers on Earth at that time. And, you know, somehow Triple H comes back uh, just out of the blue beats him pins him and then well, kind of there were, there were extenuating circumstances to that too of nash getting injured again but do you still think that triple h should have won <laughs> there was a lot of chicanery yeah, around that match there was a lot he of was chicanery the... around that match too yeah <laughs> go ahead I'm, i've been ragging on punk a lot during this episode but i will say this he he, he was spot on um, when he says that nobody wanted to see him versus Triple H yep. at WrestleMania. <laughs> He's right. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't want to see it. He didn't want to do it. There was no reason to do it. It's Triple H. They could have found somebody else who felt like they needed that rub because at the same time, he didn't need it. He lost you twice and was still on that level. Like, I mean, Daniel Bryan, anything for you. Daniel Bryan was rumored to go into WrestleMania against Sheamus again. So... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what a, how crazy like think about the plans that they had for that fucking wrestlemania none of them worked out wrestlemania 30 was a great wrestlemania <laughs> in spite of it though yeah in spite of it like and it and and, it, and it's really all you know because of all these changes and all these things that kind of domino but royal rumble he enters the royal rumble and at some point during the royal rumble he gets he gets injured he gets concussed um and he'll he'll give that nod to Kofi Kingston, who did some acrobatic stuff. And he says, "I still love you, Kofi, but you know, yes, you concussed me." Um, <laughs> and he, you know, he gets eliminated. He gets eliminated from the Royal Rumble. He it, it ends up being this kind of thing where it's just like now there's sort of you know an altercation backstage, and this is all that we hear from the the podcast, from just other people who've been you know associated with it and all this other stuff. And he. Uh, uh, just from the podcast, he has this realization. He says, I was sleeping in bed uh, and he was just wondering, what am I doing with my life? Like, I'm injured. I have this huge, you know, whatever infection boil because at some point during the podcast, he mistakenly calls it Mercer staff infection and it ends up not being that. Um, And he's just like, I'm through with it. And he has this moment, it's called that night in Cleveland where he just says he he talks with Vince, he talks to Triple H, and at point at this point he says, "I'm not working, I'm not happy, I don't want to do this anymore," and he walks out. Um, 
and and I know we already answered this, but is there any way that you could sympathize with the feelings that he had during this moment? And and I won't talk to you, I guess both Ernest and Greg. Is there any way you can sympathize about this moment of him just being so unhappy, so frustrated? His body is aching. He just had a concussion. Um, a lot of different things leading up to. And I'm I mean, the, his main goal, his only goal. I want a main event WrestleMania. And it's just like, you are in the main event against Triple H. And it's just like, you know what? You don't get it. And, I, and I, I sympathize with him, you know, feeling the way he felt um, around his injuries and, and being unhappy and all of that. But the, but the part that, like, I don't sympathize with him is for, like, the main event of WrestleMania. Like, again, Ric Flair never main evented a WrestleMania. That's Randy true. Savage got one against Hogan. He didn't main event the one where he retired. No, nah. Edge, Edge, and um. Oh, you're right. It was Edge and somebody. I didn't watch it. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the moment you remember, right? So well, I remember. Also, I wasn't around at that time frame because Punk brought me back to wrestling after that time. So I was like, I had to go back and look at all that stuff. Like, oh, oh, word, okay. (laughs) Like the the main event of a WrestleMania seems so petty, and uh, and I know like. It might be the icing on the cake for all these other things that he was going through and feeling, but like for that one to be the one that you're like dying you're on your head on and yeah, the hill. Like, but well, but one thing that's always depressed me is that he said on that podcast, and I think it's like to this day that he failed ultimately because it never happened for him. And I think the one the one salient thing that Dave Meltzer has ever said. Ever in his life. <laughs> if, the, if there's one. <laughs> if there's one thing Dave Moses ever said is that he actually, for like five minutes on one of his shows, was just like, I think Punk should never hang his head on his career because of everything he's accomplished. And I absolutely agree with that. That one thing does not take away from his legacy. Now, the, no, things, he did, the things that he no. did after might yeah. have, but those things that he did before he left in 2014 are solidified. He's one well, of the greatest. The you, you, we, we cannot, we cannot put our level of what we consider a successful accomplishment to to someone else's right because you think about like a major athlete and i think of wrestling, but you, but you gotta wrestling. admit but you gotta admit he's hold on hold on again if you have the personal determination since you were a little kid to do something and you pursue that through all of the nonsense and the unlikely scenarios that lead you to become a superstar and you still don't get that one thing. He was almost 40, Ernest. Yeah, he's 40 and now. That How was he almost 40 then? Five years ago. He's almost 30. He was almost, he was almost, he was almost 40 at that point. Or he was in his mid-30s at that point. You're still feeling like that? Like that's Bro, that's, boy, like me, that's like me. That's like me as a writer. That's like playing basketball when he's 38. Here's my why thing. That's like me as a writer never having anything printed in a magazine. That's never happened for me. Does that mean like when I was 28, I was like, damn, I really failed as a writer? At 31, almost 32, I'm like, you know what? That might have been a good thing. It opened up doors for me to do other things. Yeah, but like, it, it's, a, the same drive that got you there might be the drive that kills you in the end. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of athletes, there's a lot of really successful people, CEOs who are successful, but it is not enough for them. And so what I'm saying is it's hard for me to put my sense of accomplishment on him because he might say to himself that at, despite all of that, that wasn't the win that he wanted. And I can't begrudge another person for saying like, hey, maybe he wanted to do more than he did. But I think it's it's unfair for us to then go to him and be like, well, you should be happy with what you've got because you don't know what his his dream was. 
So and I also don't happen. think, and I also don't think that that's the that's the thing that he's hanging on either. I, I've never I, like it sucks that he said that, it but I also be. don't think. Yeah, I don't think that's the the real thing. Or maybe it is because he said it. So he got, but here's my thing. He's got everything else. He got <laughs> everything. If, match if you else. don't have the thing that makes if, you happy, you don't have anything. If it is, then then I'm sorry. Like, as much as I respect him and his opinion, that he got to like really, 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 really reevaluate his priorities. That like his career is dead because he didn't get the last match on a show hey. that happens once a year. When people have their the, people have their half thing. the time those main events are trash anyway, and all of the time. <laughs> No, seriously. And I think that has to do more with the fact events. that the show is nine hours long than the actual like. <laughs> Even some of those the matches show was they like are... two hours long, right? Like <laughs> Ric Flair didn't get his main event so that we could watch Hulk Hogan versus Sid. You know what I mean? Kevin yeah. Nash didn't get his main event as the champion so that we could watch Bam Bam Bigelow versus Lawrence Taylor. Like, I'm happy it's, that it's we fine. did though. But uh, it's fine. I, I also think, yeah, I also I kind of uh, agree with Ernest, where it's just like. In a sense, it's just like if this is something you really, really wanted, you f- fully, fully wanted. I know for a long time, Mick Foley wanted to main event WrestleMania. Yep. And he retired and he's just like, it's just never going to happen. And then he even talks about it. I mean, Punk even talked on the podcast. Vince decides to, you know what? You know, we're going to bring you back from retirement a month, 28 days into retirement. He's already like probably eating Dunkin' Donuts and all this other type of shit. And he brings them back and he says, listen, we're going to give you the main event of WrestleMania. So he knows that this thing can happen. It, it can happen. It can happen. For, and, and you know that they're going into the plan with, with Batista versus Randy Orton as the main event of WrestleMania. And once again, this walkout really changed shit because this could have been an all-time stinker of a WrestleMania. Oh, it was the best thing that ever happened to wrestling fans. <laughs> yeah. I'm, <laughs> but, but I hear I hear you, though. I hear both you and Ernest. But you know, you know what else was the one thing that Punk always wanted to do in his life? be in the ufc oh okay <laughs> i'm just saying i'm just saying these things for him are very fluid like these things these seems like his thing that he always wanted to do all his life is very fluid it's like it was it was main event wrestlemania if you want a main event wrestlemania you shouldn't have left but you could it could have happened the next year this is true like it's yeah. like your, your your next thing that you want to do is ufc and you did it and well we'll get to that but it's like you and you say it could have happened the next year it could have happened that year like if if he played the feud out right and like, cause I mean, come on, I don't think they would have. I don't think it's they would have. It is it, it's Hunter. How many times has he taken the main event spot just because he felt like his feud was that hot? Yeah. I don't think I. But it, also, it, how it many was, times? Triple H. Have... That was his best chance. To well, get we to the main uh, event. that's speculation though. Like we don't like I don't I don't think man Triple H main evented Roman Reigns. Triple H main evented with Roman fucking Reigns. But he also gave himself the championship, and it was just like, yeah, now we're gonna main event. That was fire. That was fire. I don't think they had. Yeah, I don't think he had any other option. Yeah, that was fire. I like that. I like that option. I loved it. But and I think that's a. Also, I'm really anti, and I'm going to say this because it's a larger statement about wrestling media going into the 2019 year. We, as folks who are talking pop culture and professional wrestling, have got to let the WWE evil, oh, Triple H booked himself into getting the title kind of mentality kind of stuff. Because I'm like, if it's a business, then it's a business, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think... People, the same people say that, then go, well, Vince is ruining the show and Triple H is giving himself the belt. I'm like, but you just told me they make business-related decisions. Yeah, so, but also, but also Triple H, 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 H,
Triple H has right. told you that he does that. So when it happens, you have to be like, well, this is how he says he moves. Has he done you it as an active? I, I guess I, I, I'm, I'm take. I took that to him saying when he was an active wrestler, he was doing that. I think it seems really ass backwards for the COO of a company who's promoting the <laughs> next future, so he has people to promote to be like, actually, I think I need to take it. I think it literally was. There's nobody else hot. Let's make it happen. Right now, back, we can personally disagree about who they should have promoted instead of him. But I think that's a business call the same way, you know, asking the champ to work hurt is a business call. And at that, and at that year, in 2014, who in the fuck was hotter for Punk at that point? Taker was t- being taken. Brock, yep. That Brock program was happening. Yep. Uh, Cena was going to get Bray, which he sh- yep. like that was a good program that, you know, the match didn't really end up being anything, but it was a good program going into it. Uh the title picture was going to be what it was going to be. It had to be Triple H. Who else are you going to get? No, no, no. And, but when it, you, and when you think about it, too, like, with the title, the title picture was getting poo-pooed on from the Rumble. WWE yeah. is notorious for saying that they will change the course if they have to. So if you have fans poo-pooing on it from Rumble, and then him and Triple H managed to present sort of a blood feud, they will send that championship match to wherever they have to put it on the card. If Triple H and Punk do what we know they can do with what they're given. But I also feel like just in the lead up to that WrestleMania, a lot of different things in the way WWE handles business, they like to be like, well, you're going to get this anyway, despite whether you want it or you don't want it. I think the Batista Randy thing, it ended up not working. A lot of it was because Punk left and a lot of it was the narrative of like all these part timers are coming in and taking our spots that he kind of, you know, you know, put out through the entire year. And then for instance, like I'll say in the previous year, they, they didn't want Daniel. I mean, let me not say that they didn't want Daniel Bryan to wrestle, you know, main event WrestleMania, even though the story was, and he was the white hot and he was, it was his moment. It was his time. It was his summer of punk. It was his, you know, summer of Austin. It was his entire thing where he was just like, listen, this was the guy. And I remember you can even remember at once. And this is like very nitpicky. Like at some point they tried to like shift it off on big show. Yeah. On like a survivor series where they're just like, the, the Daniel Bryan loses that hell in a cell, and now Big Show's the one doing yes chance because they're like, oh, it's not Daniel Bryan who's getting over, it's the chance. So we gotta we do this with Big Show, and he's the and and to me, they try to do every they they did a lot to suppress that fact, but you it was at the end of the day, you couldn't ignore it. And I think that CM Punk leaving and CM Punk walking out, in fact, presented them with a huge, huge, huge huge thing that they needed to do and it was like listen we have so much bad going around this wrestlemania the cm punk thing really kind of screwed up a lot and we still need triple h on the show because this is wrestlemania 30 and it's just like they had to do what they had to do um cm punk walks out two hours a couple hours before monday night raw um and they're changing everything and then literally you know for between that time and 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 when the when the when Colt Cabana's podcast goes up, we really hear nothing from CM Punk outside of his tweets. Did you have any idea that he was going to leave? Uh, that he was going to disappear, quit the company? Did he tell you about it? Did he reference it at all, or did you know just from knowing Punk? I think on the day that it happened, it was very spontaneous. Mm-hmm. I think it took it. I think it was a year in the building, mm-hmm. and. Any day in that year, had he decided to walk, 
would not have surprised me. Mm-hmm. He was unhappy. Mm-hmm. He he had enough. He couldn't take it anymore, and it, it was it, it wasn't a slow build. It was we were. I mean, a year before he walked, these were daily conversations of. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to take this. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here. I don't know how much longer uh, I can take this. I don't know how much longer it's going to be till I just decide to go home. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm surprised it lasted that long. Surprised he was able to last that long before he left? I was surprised based on how volatile and how intense his desire was to walk mm-hmm. a year prior. Mm-hmm. And then not that it's sub- like it's not like it subsided. I mean, every day with him was was a uh, was an exercise in him finding the balance to simply continue on and find the passion that he needed to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened was he walked in the day after the Royal Rumble, and he couldn't find that passion. He couldn't convince himself or persuade himself. Okay, whether I'm happy or not. This is about the performance. It's about my legacy. It's about I take pride in what I do. And whether I'm happy or unhappy, when I go out there, I want to be the best CM Punk that I possibly can be. And I think somewhere during that day, he couldn't find that. Mm -hmm. And he realized, I can't do it anymore. Uh, That's not true. I talked to him. Oh, well, yes, yes. You talked. All right. Talk about your discussion with him at that point. So it actually happened by accident. I was working at the Chicago Tribune at the time, and we were covering something around the Cubs, actually. And I got an opportunity to talk to him. And this is the middle. This is probably May 2014. So he has been gone for a while. And I straight up just shot my shot. And it's really funny because the PR person was like, don't ask about wrestling. But I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Um, so I just, was like, you. I just was like, how does it feel to be retired at 35? Like, what's up with the charity work? And he finally said, you know, I feel good to be retired. And it was really crazy because I didn't know at the time, but I went in and like filed my piece. And that next thing I hear is like, I'm getting PW torches reaching out and like all these people going crazy because it's the first time he's admitted that he retired. And so it was a weird scenario for me because I'm like, wait, I didn't know that was as big of a confirmation as it was, but it's kind of wild to be like, you know, it, it speaks to his legacy because the fact that he just was like, yeah, I'm feeling good. Everybody's like, whoa, he retired. He admitted it. Like, he had that level of, of attention. Ernest, what, what month was that interview? That was May. That was May 2014. So it's kind of interesting in sort of the timeline of this because he isn't officially, like, fired from the WWE until June. Um, yep. He isn't. His contract was initially supposed to expire in July, around the same time that he, you know, he re-upped in 2011. So it's interesting in terms of just the retirement thing, because I don't even think from the from the way the podcast worked, I'm not even fully sure he fully knew if he. I think he knew he wasn't going to go back, but I don't know if he fully knew that he was getting out of his contract the way he did. Yeah. Um, and we but, got the podcast in November of that year, December, right? Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Got, it was, it was, it was, it was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving night, and we were going to run okay. into that now because he's been relatively outside of speaking to Ernest Wilkins. Um, <laughs> he's been <laughs> relatively, <laughs> he's been relatively quiet. But then on Thanksgiving night, just really out of the blue at night, and I literally remember 
it's probably I remember where I was listening to this podcast because it had to be like midnight, 1 a.m. at my time. And I'm literally sitting there on my couch listening to this two hour podcast with him in Cole Cabana. And you hear a man who's just like very expressive, very going through. And, and it seemed more venting than it seemed to be bashing the WWE. But I do think fans, from their perspective, took what they got from that and just said, like, oh, WWE is terrible for doing this. But I do think it was venting overall in terms of just, like, damn, this is kind of what happened through my entire thing at the, the WWE. And this is why I left. And I really want to – you made sure to put in the fact I want to put this behind me once and for all so no one asks about it again. Uh, I thought when I re-signed three years ago, Vince, I told you if I couldn't be all that I could be that you should fucking fire me. That if I was a fraud and I was anything less and fell short of the fucking mark, I said I, I sold more shirts than John Cena uh, until I turned fucking heel for you. You said you owed me one. I worked guys that were fucking dangerous uh, and you said you owed me one. I did all these fucking things, and all I wanted was the main event of WrestleMania. And it's fine if you don't think that is me and that I'm that caliber of a fucking superstar, but then you need to fucking fire me because I do not want to be here, and I do not want to be anything less. I will go somewhere else, and I will get more fucking over because I know I can. You have shackled me, you have creatively stifled me. You have made this a very toxic environment. I no longer want to be here. I said, this, I said, it boggles my mind how Daniel Bryan has not figured into your plans to be in the main event of WrestleMania because this is his fucking year. Just like two years ago, it was my fucking year and I was white fucking hot, just like he is now. And what did you do? You fed me to this guy. And I pointed right at Hunter. And, and Vince was just like, I, I, this is the concussion talking. I can't believe you're saying any of this. You, you're in, you're in the, the main event. You, it, it is a main event. You're wrestling Triple H. And I, 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 polite, I turned to Hunter and I said, all due respect, I do not need to wrestle you. You need to wrestle me. I do not want to wrestle you. I seriously resent you for not putting me over three years ago when you should have. That would have been best for business, but you had to fucking come in and squash it. And then I had to lose to fucking Truth and, and Miz. Like, it didn't make any business sense then. It doesn't make any business sense now. And I'm in a position now where I can tell you that I don't have to and nor do I want to wrestle you at WrestleMania. I don't care if I was supposed to win, which I was. I didn't care. I didn't want to give him the fucking privilege. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, I'll talk about a few takeaways of the podcast because the podcast, and maybe we can discuss a few of these points because the podcast is very long. It goes two parts. It's the the first part is almost two hours. The second part is almost an hour and a half. So it's really just like a full listen. I would recommend to listen to it. I'd probably listen to it like three times um, since 2014. And each time is just very, I feel like I get something different from it. Just not, not more so from the oh wwe sucks but more so like let me see the actual life that wwe stars actually living and things like that but to me it's probably the most candid look in how the wwe runs their business from a superstar that we've seen on a major scales and we had all the high spot dvds and all this other stuff where 
you the Paul London and Brian Kendrick would be talking about how their run went and how no one would talk to them. But I do think this was kind of the highest scale of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, a major gold main event WrestleMania was never realized. I think we hadn't really heard that until this sort of, you know, discussion. Um, I want to talk about Ryback. Irreparable damages to Ryback. <laughs> uh, Ryback, was, Ryback was never good. Uh, <laughs> he was never good. So, like, to hear Punk, like, at that point. But he was, over, he, he was still, the Feed Me More chants were still a thing, you know? Yeah. So you could throw those chants on somebody else. You said they tried to do a big show. Do <laughs> like, let's just keep it a hundo. Ryback was never good. I think that was the biggest takeaway from the podcast for me was that, like, the WWE was trotting him out to try and like he was a guy that should have spent way more time in NXT. But it wasn't more so the fact that Ryback wasn't good. It wasn't so that man, this guy sucks at a promo or he can't dance in the ring. It was like he's they're putting me in the ring that this guy who's like hurting he's dangerous. Me. Dangerous. He threw me out the ring, missed the table completely, and you know, uh then I got now my ribs are broken or now my elbow is broken or something along those lines. He kicked me and broke my ribs is another one. And it really did sort of irreparable damage to Ryback and in in you know from there on, Ryback was getting booed. Ryback was kind of looked at in a different type of way, in a different type of light. If there's anyone that should probably be you know, soon for defamation, it probably should be Ryback. Oh, he went in on Ryback for 15 minutes on that podcast. I think he, I think he went on on, like, like, Triple H would get straight shots just because Triple H, like, was a part of a lot of... one of the best of... diss tracks of the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was killing Ryback throughout the whole thing. And I think, like, it was irreparable damage, but I also think that it was, like, it was completely merited if this was, you know, if true, you know, like, right. I, I think if he was really hurting CM Punk, like he says he was, he absolutely deserved it. And I think like right back didn't have long for the company after that. I think he, he lost a lot. Like I think, and then even still at right back started to try and use that to get heat on himself. He would start using Punk's moves and yeah. stuff like that. It, it was, it was just like, and then you started to realize like right back's a, a pretty weird guy. Yeah. And- <laughs> oh yeah. Big time. And after that, it was just, it was, you know, I think Ryback was gone like maybe a year and a half, two years after that. Yeah. I mean, they, I think they tried, you know, to get him over in different capacities. He changed his style up, all these other things, but eventually, well, I don't think that was the reason why he was gone. He was gone because they thought <laughs> he thought they were going to re-up his contract and give him a tour bus. Um, uh. <laughs> but you're, you know, sorry, fella. Um, one thing this uh this podcast also shows was his major issues with Triple H, and he kind of lines out a timeline of various different things where, you know, he's promised the movie twelve rounds, and and you know he says, oh, Triple H discusses him was like, yo, is this during the European tour? No, it's not during the European tour, but is it really? And then the next day, Randy Orton's in twelve rounds, and CM Punk has to work the European tour anyway, or or, do, or just do go we ahead. trust like. Any- I don't know this what is, is. Do we ahead. trust one hundred percent of what he's saying at, at this point? Like, do we trust one hundred percent of all that? We the didn't hear Triple H's side of it, so I guess we have to. The movie shit is why. No, we did hear Triple H's side about it, and it was just like a lot of it. It was two sides of every story. It was basically his, it was basically his thing, but Triple H can't. I don't Triple think Triple H, H will ever. He's never going to. He can't outward, spill the tea. Yeah, 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 I don't think he's right. ever going to just like. You're never gonna can. let. He's never gonna let the chopper sing Ave Maria. Is what yeah. I'm <laughs> so I think it's it's a, it's tough to be able to say that because. Also, I think there's a big thing that we're kind of ignoring, which is like wrestlers don't talk about this stuff. Right. Yeah, at all. And so the reason that we were foaming at the mouth about it five years later 
I mean, he's talking royalty checks and we, everything. We barely get a glimpse behind the curtain. He gave us one to an yeah. extent. And I think that some of the backlash against WWE was in part because one of the hurts, the him working hurt, but the other, like, you only hear his side of it, and it's the most you've heard about the ongoing backstage stuff at WWE for years. So, of course, you're going to ride with this dude because he's on your side. He's telling you what's going on. Right. Yeah. And I, I think part of it, too, like, as fans, we hyped it up a lot more than we should have, too, because, like, like you said, um, one, he's just venting. So Without a doubt, I agree with you. As, like, gospel, like, yo, this is bars. Like you said, <laughs> yeah. the last 15 years. But also, too, like, he's saying things that we can go back on TV and see aren't true. Not that they aren't true, but, like, there's hyperbole, too. Like, at the end of the day, he's right. a storyteller. So when he says, like, he falls out of the ring and there's a bruise the size of his back or whatever he says, like, and you go to the tape <laughs> and it's not there. It's like, why are we still taking that? As- didn't didn't WWE do some shady shit at that point where they put out a video of all of the instances? They did because they were completely did. unlisted too. Well, well, it was in support of um Doctor Doctor Amon. Is Amon Amon? Amon, it's Amon. Amon, sorry, Doctor Amon, because he, you know, and I'll get to this. It's probably the last part of it, but yeah, um, they did that in support of Doctor Amon, and they're just like nothing's there and we all well, see the photos them too look not not just in support of him because if they're saying that like if he's saying like their doctors didn't see it they're, they're like oh well we didn't see it either <laughs> like these are all the but also the photos could be doctored that. too yeah it could be doctored so it's like you know are we really going to use wwe photos as something well, yeah because like where people people are there too like there are people in the audience who have pictures of him laying on the ground that don't have him with a bruise on his back yeah like, mm-hmm. and they had those pictures too and there are people who like who we watched, we all watched it live. Like, right. Uh, when Triple H injured his leg at, I think it was WrestleMania 31, you saw that bruise. Like, it went down the side of his leg. Right. You would have seen that same thing. There would have been commentary on it. Like, there's nothing. But again, it doesn't mean that he wasn't hurt. Right. He can't see his back. He doesn't know what it looks like. He just knows that he's hurt. It's a just... safe assumption to assume that it's bruised. But it's, it's all hyperbole that we took, and we took it as like the word of God set in stone when we should have right. just. Took it for like with a grain of salt. Um, a lot of it talks about a lot of miscommunication with management and a lot of miscommunication with things. And he has stories of, you know, I was supposed to do this appearing at Wizard World and they were going to pay me $20,000. And then they sent me on the Mexico tour and I said, hey, pay me $20,000. And then they only paid him $4,000. And, you know, a lot of different things. All of this was venting. All of this was kind of like building up. And, and, once again, we all took this as gospel in, in the moment. Um, one of the major things that he said, which really, really irked him and which really, I guess, was the final straw, was he was fired on his wedding day, is what he says. He was sent to uh, FedEx. He was sent to FedEx June 13th, his wedding day. And he says it was completely on purpose. And whatever apology that Vince McMahon tried to give on Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, they could have told him in person or they could have gave him a call just like they gave him a call when they needed him to work in Chicago um, in the middle of an injury, you know, in the middle of his injury. put, Put two and two together. Even at that point, Chris Jericho says he's not responding to his text or phone right. calls. <laughs> Kofi Kingston saying he's not responding to his text or phone calls. Paul Heyman says he doesn't even talk to him about wrestling at all. Uh, Stone Cold, he's not responding to Stone Cold. He's not responding to anybody. You think he's picking up for WWE management? Also, and, and not only that, too, like... I think I he mean, wants his royalty check, so yes, he will pick it up. 
Nah, the checks could come in the mail. There doesn't even need to be a conversation about that. But like, the checks weren't seven. coming. I think that was the issue. He the wasn't checks. coming to work. Mills, like <laughs> this is true. No, but you still get royalty check. I mean, stuff that happens. He's in the WWE 2K15 video game, and it's like, yo, where's my checks on that? Where's my but checks on the network? Too, like that comes I from mean, 2K. If the, if the guy is saying that he's retired a month, like that'd be a wedding gift, right? Oh, like I really can go home with my life. <laughs> now, my thing, I I've never. Even, I, would, I would take it exactly how he took it. Yeah. So I just want to put that out there. I yeah, I'm, I'm on keep up with that one, bro. I'm hot. I would be hot. Yeah. One hundred. So, so y'all y'all don't come to work. Y'all don't come to work, right? For six months, eight months, six yeah, six seven months, and. You like oh one day like you're obviously like not three. coming back. It was like four months. Here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. I go to work, but if I'm promised money from my job and I consistently follow up about said money and I'm given the runaround, my initiative to show up decreases. And at a certain point, he was earnest. He was never at that point. It was Hold like on. he Hold was on. never showing up, bro. If they tell me you're going to give me the money, why would I go? And potentially injure myself when you haven't even demonstrated that you are going to give me the money that you told me you were going to give me in the first place. Why would I go? Why does he I, think that this company that has done him so wrong in the past would not have done some shit like that to him? Is my question. I, because people go to work for jobs where they get screwed over every single day and hope that it works out for them. So my people. But he is, already knew he these people. Leverage, but he had these leverage. people are these people are leverage. taking away his money. They're taking away. They're taking away his money. Taking away his opportunity. They're telling him he can't have logos on his fucking trunks. All this shit that he's talking That's about. Slim Jim shit, man. What? What <laughs> in his mind made him think they wouldn't pull some shit like that? To I don't know. We don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. What I'm saying is, I understand where he's coming from as a person who has worked a job and not gotten paid at said job before. I stopped working, bro. Straight up, pay me what you owe me. In the right. words, he didn't leave because he wasn't getting paid. He wasn't. He wasn't leaving because he wasn't getting paid. He was <laughs> saying he paid, and then they stopped. You left, and they stopped paying him. Yeah, makes total sense. Um, so well, yeah, that's usually how it works, though, right? You don't work, you don't get paid, right? And then, it's, and, and then it's you know his, his wife is still there. A lot of different other things. It's kind of. You know, it's a it's a very iffy. Which I'm interested. Petty too, though. Like his wife is still there and being treated well. Like now, I that's who we should also touch on a little bit. Like how awkward is that for her? Because that's what I'm. Th- I'm waiting for the. I've, I've been waiting for the AJ Brooks podcast forever. She was dealing with. You ain't getting it. You know I, I think mean? she like, mentions it in the book. I think she talks about it in her book. Oh, she there's superpower. Been, like getting heat from both sides. Yeah. Yes, and but, but, it sucks for her because she, I think, one of the things that I think is kind of swept up in this overall fallout of his career is that AJ was a dope wrestler and she really committed a lot to developing. And I, and I mean, as you watched, you saw her get better. She got better as a wrestler and showed the effort and showed the initiative and showed, you know, the willingness to want to connect with the fans and, you know, the little girls that were supporting her and the little boys that were supporting her. And so I think it's another thing where, like, I feel like AJ's career, by and large, has been overshadowed by Pump, which yeah. sucks because I think she did a damn good job. And AJ's like the one, the one woman on the roster too, who like, who was dating somebody on the roster and never had that thrown in her face by fans, by management, anybody. Like, well, Nikki after Bella he left, escape it. after he left, she started getting the CM Punk chance. I do remember that. <laughs> the whole roster got the CM Punk chance, though. She didn't get it any more than anybody else. How, like, how do you- 
Well, Everyone sorry, sorry. That. How do you feel? How did you feel about the various moments uh, during this interim between when he walked in the in the podcast where you'd get these moments where they play CM Punk's music or Stephanie McMahon with you know a slick bar or about CM Punk? How did you necessarily feel about that? That's I, that's, that's just again. I have to point back to like throughout history. That's just how they did business, right? Like, that's WWE. Next, yeah, the next week after the screw job, they played Brett's music, and then um, a little person in the Bret Hart mask came out. And then a few years after that, when they were in Montreal again, Brett's music hits. Sean is in the ring. Nothing <laughs> happens. Like they do it all the time. Um, another major point. Uh. In an, in an uprising superstar at the time, hashtag make Roman look strong. Um, that was a thing for a bit of just like obviously they're you know just just they they strapped him. Did it? Do you feel like it did any damage to the career of Roman Reigns? I mean, he's at this point, you know, yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It ruined. It literally ruined his career. <laughs> It one hundred percent, and like, it ruined his, and, uh, you know, his reputation with the fans in their eyes. I do believe. Yeah, and, because, and like you have to look no further than than like network tape. There's there's episodes of Monday Night Raw. There's one in particular where um the three members of the Shield, coincidentally, they have CM Punk in the ring, and one of them is supposed to face him, and he hasn't decided who's going to face him yet, and neither have they. And the crowd is chanting for Roman. Mm-hmm. Like the crowd, Roman was always the most over guy in the Shield. And even when they break up, Roman has a lot of fan support up until that podcast comes out. And then everybody's looking funny at him. And then he wins the Rumble. And then people are looking at him real funny like, oh, this is this is happening. We don't oh, so we're making Roman look real strong here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is that the I, I think that what Punk did to Roman was – I don't think he meant to – do it. I, I think Punk always liked Roman. He said, I mean, he, he never expressed that Roman was anything other than right. a, bright, a bright star and was going to be a star, but it's like, it was evil the way that it was framed, where it's right. like... You know what? I th- I think it was, in the more so, he was still venting about, he was still venting about management, because their constant thing was, you're in this three-in-one, three-versus-one match with TM, you know, with, with the Shield. You're going to go over, we got to make Roman look strong. And he's just like, I know this. Like, I'm a wrestler. Like, duh. And it, and, and I never he should have never beat them. Then it, it's my thing. Well, that's what that's what his thing is. Like, yo, if you wanted to make Roman look strong, why am I going over? <laughs> and he was like, No, you're gonna win. We got to make Roman look strong. And I think that kind of became a point. Um, and it, and it more so opened the curtain. And I think we all knew about it. I mean, everyone was like, it was either Roman Reigns or Biggie at some point. And it was just like, those are the guys that we we're looking for towards the future. But it kind of like opened the curtain of just like, they're going with Roman Reigns. And I'm, and I'm fine with that. I've always been okay with that. I've always, there are moments where I didn't enjoy Roman, but I think like just for the past two, three years, he's been spectacular. But I think when you look at what he said, again, I, I think it's evil the way that it was framed. It was like, they're trying to basically shove him down our throats. And I was like, but at the same time, Punk, they made you and look fans strong. fans ran with that for years. Yeah, they made, they made Punk look strong. They made Stone Cold Steve Austin look strong. They made Shawn Michaels look strong. There is no one. That's, again, it's a business. You're supposed to make these guys look strong. Yep. The problem what and- they did, the problem they did with Roman was that they fucked it up every time. They fucked up making him, they, they fucked up the payoff of making him look strong. That yes. was their problem. And CM Punk made made them gun shy, and they made fans sort of gun shy too. And I think another thing we didn't really like—we walked right up to this line, but we didn't mention it—was that when he spoke about Roman, 
Um, he also made a point to say, I didn't want him in the shield anyway. Yeah. Right. I wanted Chris Ono. Yeah. And I thought that was fucked up too. I, I just think that I don't think Punk disliked Roman. I think that the way Punk framed that whole segment and, and subsequent segments when he talked about Roman to make Roman look like he was the, the company appointed guy. And I'm just like, yeah. y'all realize it's the same yep. shit we saw with Becky Lynch or we're seeing with Becky Lynch. It's like, don't like it, they're clearly propping her up. It's just that this and that's time the, the thing, fans like, want her. You're all the company appointed guy. Yeah. <laughs> all the, everybody <laughs> right down the line. Go back as far as you want. You're all the company appointed guy. Even you punk. Like none of you were none of the no, like WWE. I think I'm gonna be I'm gonna keep it hundred. The only person the fans picked, like literally picked, was Daniel Bryan, and they had to run with him. And to this day, they they made an investment, they made a risk, and it worked out for them. And Daniel Bryan is yep. where he's at, where he's at now. But I think you know what, for, main eventers, right? Yeah, main eventers. Yeah, yeah. Like Daniel Bryan's the only one that the fans said we want him, and we won't accept anybody else, and they right. took it. Punk right. was always, and I and I think that that is cut from the same cloth with Punk, where it's like. Yes, the WWE never really like screwed Punk over as far as booking. Yes, he had like down points and shit like that, but it's like he was always positioned. Look, look at what he did in the Rumble. He wasn't even the title picture. He got to throw people out and cut promos. Are you serious? <laughs> like he was never made to look like an like an idiot in, in any in any sense of the word. But it's like the fans will pick who they want to pick. But let, let let's say let's say Charlotte does a, a podcast and she, she says make Becky look strong. As the, the WWE are starting to put plant the seeds to make her into what she is today, her whole momentum's fucked. Or Sasha, Sasha would be a better one. To oh watch. yeah, yeah. Or Sasha says Sasha that. Would be like, look at how great I am, and then look at what happens. Exactly. She she'd kill them off. Um, I think one of the last points is, and it's probably the biggest point that came out of this because it spinned off into a whole other heap of issues for the you know, for CM Punk. It was. It was critical, you know, it was very, very critical of WWE's medical staff and how they treated him during his various injuries, like the concussions and the staph infections uh, were, you know, I'll put air quotes around staph infection because it proved not to be true. But, you know, he says a lot of things disparaging about the WWE medical staff, um, notably Dr. Chris Amon, who's just like, you know, I have a concussion and, you know, they said do the concussion test. And then he's just like, oh, I'm playing on my phone and I passed the test. And it's just like, come on, that's a you know, that that show that talks about like the standards of your concussion test or like, I have an injury. I'm really, really hurt. Can you do something about it? And it's just like, well, here's a Z pack and Z packs became a thing or just, you know, all these other type of stuff. So he's very, very critical of the, you know, the medical staff, um, which I'm not, I mean, to be honest with you, if you're, if your job is to help, you know, sort of aid in this type of thing. And I feel like I'm not getting the proper treatment. I would also be pissed. So uh, I think that's another thing that we should have chalked up to like to hyperbole. Right. Of, of all the millions of people who listen to that conversation, I don't know how many of them are doctors, but at the same time too, you gotta remember, right? Um neither CM Punk, by the way. Neither CM Punk. <laughs> but but since the Chris Benoit incident, which co- coincidentally he was supposed to to go over on CM Punk in um the day he the weekend that he passed. WWE has taken concussions and all that stuff very seriously. They are like amongst the sports organizations, they take the concussion stuff the the most seriously because they have to, because um, someone died and committed two murders before they died. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what their concussion protocol is, but 
even if you think about like the performance center and like the the way they do everything and how they have like rings set up a certain way so that everybody can just be as safe as they can be pulling people off the road um for concussion tests i i don't think they would have played that game with their top star just to send him out um if he had a concussion right maybe i don't know how cm punk viewed it from his perspective but it's another one of those things that we should have just chalked up to a hyperbole and taken with a grain of salt but but um everybody ran with it um this podcast you know this podcast airs it breaks pretty much wrestling internet it's the top, it's the it's the news of discussion for next you know couple weeks it's in every news cycle everyone's being asked about it triple h is being asked about it at various points um Vince McMahon, ryback everyone is involved even rusev at some point you know everyone <laughs> is being asked asked about it um it, it's really arguably it, it, it makes cm punk pretty much if you if you had to rank wrestling stories for 2014 i think him leaving and everything that happened subsequently after it is is makes it one of the biggest things in you know wrestling. But I want to talk about the fallout of this podcast, and, and then we can kind of just like wrap everything up because. And, and I want to know from Ernest if it, if this is a coincidence or not. Um, literally a week after the second part of this podcast airs, he announced that he is signed to UFC. Do you think that the timing of this podcast and everything that was done about it was you know? to sort of propel that news to sort of propel that, you know, thing, or you feel like this was like a general venting session. My guy, everything is wrestling. <laughs> everything is wrestling. And I think that it would be very naive to say that it just so happened that this big event where he speaks for the first time in several months coincides randomly with the debut of him in UFC. Right. So that being said, I do think, both things are also like I think he he knew that he had to do something. I'm happy that he did it on his friend Coco Bannon at the times, you know, podcast versus doing it on like ESPN or some random crap that wouldn't have felt akin to his brand. Because I think he, that's that that was a very strategic move. But I also think like I didn't go with CM Punk to UFC, nope. right? That was the moment I was like, okay, I'm gonna let him do it. <laughs> Hopefully he comes back and is, you know, better for it. But I'm not a UFC guy. Never have been. Mm-hmm. And I think that when it comes to combat sports specifically, there's this sense of, like, a lot of people putting them all into the same kind of thing because it's a bucket, right? So you put MMA in the same bucket as WWF, as New Japan, all that stuff. I like to think completely differently because one is a performance to me and one is people getting kicked in the face. And so I think... When it comes down to it, like, I think that a lot of people in the mainstream took that as like, oh, this wrestler guy is just now a fighter. Because you look at Brock, you look at Ronda, and you say, oh, everybody can do both, right? And it's like, that was a weird thing for me because I think in doing, in pairing that podcast with the UFC announcement, I think that he set himself up for failure. Yeah. I think if he does that podcast, dips off until the top of the year, comes back and goes, I'm signing with UFC because I would like to try a new challenge. Now I think people like myself are more privy to want to say like, ooh, I like CM Punk. I know he's trying to try something new. He's fed up per that you know uh, podcast we just listened to. So I'm going to give this a shot. I think it was a smart move from a business perspective, but I think from a fan perspective, that's when he lost it. 
he alienated a lot of people. I think I think he really and I'll, I think I said this at the time, like a long time ago to one of my friends, like that felt like a goodbye to his wrestling fans so he can move on to his new fans. Right. His, it, especially, or, or, when, especially when he says like, oh, this has been my dream. Yeah. It's like, weren't you just crying about another dead? I mean, I guess people can have multiple dreams, but yeah, it feels like you chose wrestling. Yeah, and, the, and it, it, I, I would say that the the UFC signing was it was a slide. I was like, okay, this is getting kind of iffy here. It's it's getting kind of like okay. I, I felt like he was I always felt like that decision or that signing was him grasping for straws to find something outside of the the thing that he had always loved. And I, I guess we'll talk about it. Like it, it became to be kind of like a, a self fulfilling prophecy there. Um, post the you know post all of this. After CM Punk sort of leaves the WWE and he goes his own way and WWE goes their own way, it's kind of written. If you follow WWE's narrative of like, for instance, the Montreal Screwjob, where you know they have that ominous music and it's just like, and you know, Brett would go to WCW and then like things would get really really lit for the WWE. Um, it, I mean, business began to boom for the WWE, and they began to take a new, sep- you know, type of business model. And when the network showed up, the you know, the network became a huge thing that we all sort of talked about. Um, they started signing a lot of new guys, and they started really going in a new direction in, in this sort of reality era where there was more focus on, you know, real life and more focus on uh, sort of reality of it all. Social media really tapping into just a new type of feeling in the WWE. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned uh, the screw job and people forget, man, like there's two sides to this too, right? Oh yeah. And, yeah. Uh, there is. And Vince is petty also. <laughs> and the screw job, I bring that up because you brought it up, but it made me think too, like, yeah, it did get lit for WWE after the screw job. And it did get lit for WWE after punk left. And the reason being is because a petty boss Trump's a petty worker every time. The mm. petty worker leaves, and what are you going to do? You can't do much. You sound like Dave like, Dash, dog. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> we talk bosses, we talk workers. If you um, like that fire up under a boss who has much well, more toys to play with and motivates them, like, especially after you left them with all these ideas of what you want to do, what well, can you do? I think it's, okay, I think that two, uh, something happened that was just a, co- a coincidence. But I think that Punk's, Punk leaving WWE kicked off what I call the current era that we are currently living in, which is called, to me only, the international era, right? I think that him leaving was the moment that the reality era ended because he was the guy that was most synonymous with the reality era, right? So when you have this guy, same reason when Hogan leaves, when this kind of thing, you have to build something new, right? I think Vince McMahon is at his best when he has to build something new. Now, I will say... Per the conversation we just all had, the 2013-2014 roster had a lot of young talent that wasn't developed to a position where they could take the ball and run with it, right? No. Yeah. By the time yeah. Punk leaves, it's kind of a moment for everybody to be like, oh, shit, we got to boss up and start getting in a position where we're putting on better you know, matches, we're doing better promos, we're coming with ideas, we're working in tandem with each other, we're working on teams, we're like, you know, figuring shit out. The New Day gets together shortly after that. Like, I'm saying it from a standpoint of the international era kicks off when CM Punk leaves WWE. And I think that that is a scenario that is a benefit for all fans of wrestling, but I also think it doesn't happen if he stays. And I also, I, and I also say like, without, without even like 
mention with mentioning all of that, there's also something that's brewing and down in Orlando that yeah. CM Punk would yeah. have absolutely loved to be a part of and Hell would yeah. love to have seen. And I think that that is the funniest shit where it's like, and I and I will agree with this. Triple H said that and said, okay, bet. And then signs all his friends. <laughs> and then yeah. and then signs people that he used to wrestle against in ROH. And then he's like, <laughs> you know, we're gonna, we're to gonna be fair, those people were already on the radar, but it doesn't help to like motivate Triple H and oh. Vince McMahon to want to do that. Oh, he was gonna get them no matter what. And and I yeah. think that it was like it, it made everyone on the main roster boss up. And it also said it also caused Triple H, and I think this is also like a, a twofold thing where it's like he wanted to be petty, but it was also like we can never have something like this happen again. Right. We have to yeah. not only we have to take care of our people and we have to have new exciting talent that the people loved in punk. They what they saw in him, we have to bring those guys in more. Because we're not doing like it's not cutting it. These football players and shit like that, they're not cutting it. We got to get the guys that know how to do this shit. It's weird because CM Punk, the era that CM Punk when he was in the WWE, it's weird because if you look at everything, it feels like he fits more in the era that we're currently in now as opposed to where you at then. And I remember just back then, I feel like they were all, you know, prototypical, like, uh, sort of molds of whatever Randy Orton and John Cena were. Some, like, muscled white guys who just, you know, have ruthless aggression, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whereas now, it's a little bit more about the in-ring thing. It's a little bit about the action. Yeah. It's a little about, about you know, these great performances from these independent talents and these talents that are just not even independent from worldwide talents. I mean, 2014, they signed Kevin Owens. They signed Hideo Itami. Um, Neville's Finn having Balor. an amazing Finn Balor. Neville's having an amazing run. Sami Zayn has having an amazing run. Cesaro's having a you know a, a great run of just like proving himself and, and all this. You other have stuff. to think too, like CM Punk would love to play with all these new toys. Like AJ yeah. Styles is there, Nakamura, his old his old um, his old comrade Samoa Joe is sitting right there. Like and he's Chris Hero's back. Chris I mean, Hero's back. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's a lot of things. I remember, and, I, and I'll say this as an anecdote because this is the night that CM Punk blocked me. Um, <laughs> uh, the night Kevin Owens wins the Universal Championship. And I was just like, and then <laughs> I posted a picture of Punk training for UFC. And he's legitimately getting choked out by the trainer. <laughs> and <laughs> And I'm just like, this, I mean, someone ends up like adding him in the response, which is why he blocks me because I didn't actually add him. But you know, that's it, petty. It, that, that, somebody it, snitch. Somebody snitch. But you know, it is what it is. But I'm just like, yo, think of how amazing this could have been if CM Punk was still here. And typically, I say, I mean, we talked about the critic, you know, the critic, how W, how WWE fans now are so critical, like, oh my guy's not losing, my guy's not winning. Da 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 da. I truly do feel like if you're there long enough your time eventually comes. And I saw this with like, like when I saw Heath Slater and Rhino win the tag team championships on SmackDown yeah. and I was just like, it will come. When I, I mean, saw, even, even on a micro level, Oscar, Oscar, it will come. <laughs> um, yeah. Even like Bo man, Dallas and Curtis could've, Axel. could have locked him up in a tag team and just kept him there. Yeah. I, I feel like it'll come to you eventually. You really just have to like kind of, you, uh, you, there's a times there are going to be times where you have to grit your teeth through it. Zack Ryder, Zack Ryder was nobody before he became somebody, and then he was nobody again, and then he became somebody again, and then he became no. It's a it's a whole, you know. It's too late for him though. It's too late for him. Though. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, it's too late. I mean, I'm sure but, if they wanted to, they could heat Zack Ryder up again because I do feel like Zack Ryder is like 
just generally people like him. But yeah, yeah, yeah you're you're the right. Miz too is another guy who you think like if you just apply the craft and stay at it, your time will come. And and with Punk, with him being a former champion, like look how many times over the past few years, like they went back to John Cena and Randy Orton again. Daniel Bryan. I never yeah, thought Daniel, Daniel Bryan would win the WWE Championship again. I really never thought it. Just so because of yeah. Around, well, we thought he was retired, so that's another thing. Worth well, <laughs> not even that. I thought after I thought after the retirement, I was like, oh, they're not gonna like with concussions and like, oh, do we really trust them? To me, it was similar to like Shawn Michaels' second or third or however you want to count it run. His his run where it's just like they put the championship on him for a month, but it's like. He wasn't around to, you know, win the championship. He's around to make our new guys really look good and establish all these great storylines and tell this amazing story, have this great performer on the roster. I never thought Daniel Bryan would win the WWE championship again and much less hold it, you know, as long as he has thus far. Um, other things that happened uh, post post this fallout. Um, UFC. He has his first UFC fight, UFC 203, September Lord. 10th. 2016 loses via rear naked choke two minutes 14 seconds mm-hmm. you're that was, what that was the end do, do you feel like that that was the the legacy killer i don't yeah. know yeah yeah that was the end i don't know how Ernest feels about that but that, I, that's, watched, that was, I watched that nonsense yeah. let me tell you something look <laughs> there have been many 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 wrestlers who have been terrible at mma Dave batista I mean, Bobby Lashley was good at it. Like, there have been a lot of wrestlers who are bad at MMA. So this bad. He, hold on, hold on. Well, Brock got Brock got rocked his first fight. Brock this never left. Was- Brock never left WWE and said, "This is my dream, bro." Hold Brock on. went to play football and was like, "That was my dream." And did Brock get rocked? He did, but I think with Brock though is that like people saw that he was like a good fighter, just overzealous, and then he left himself open for an attack that he shouldn't have, and that's what happened. And then same thing. I think Brock got choked out by Frank Mir, too. But it was the same thing. Like, he had a couple holes in his game that... Um, so did Punk! Coach- I don't it was experience. No, 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 I don't Punk understand. Punk had large gaping holes. They both got Yo. choked out, so obviously they Punk, both had holes. Punk went against a nobody. <laughs> a jobber. Not and Frank Mir. Punk trained for two years. Punk trained for two years to get thrown a softball fight and then got, like... Yeah, yeah rock. Obliterated. And, yeah, then, obliterate and then trained for another 18 months, and then it happened again. At yeah. UFC 225, where he lost via United. Yeah. Was, first of all, I, I don't watch a lot of UFC. I watched that fight, one of the worst fights I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> I don't watch, I didn't, I have never seen either one of those fights. I will be the first person to tell <laughs> yeah, you. And that's why you're not agreeing that this is the legacy killer. That's <laughs> why you're not agreeing. I don't win. Yeah, but here's my thing. We're talking about him as a wrestler, or we talk about him as a fighter. I'm talking so, about well, him as a whole. His whole, okay, his legacy to me as a wrestler is still intact. I think his legacy to me as a wrestler is still intact. And I and I say that because I am of the supreme confidence that if that music kick hit tomorrow night or whenever, you know, whatever else there's going to be a show, everybody in their mom's second cousin is going to be losing their mind. And that's me. I would lose my mind, yes. You would lose your mind. And don't say you wouldn't because you would. Oh, and I, I would. That's the thing. I would, right. but it's, I don't know if everybody in their mom would. Because you got to think, like, every day that goes by, that pop gets a little bit quieter and quieter. Bro, Hulk Hogan just came back for the first time and like, and it was years. mixed. And it was it mixed because he's racist. And it was mixed. <laughs> exactly. Racist. What are you talking but, about? But, it's mixed because he was like, racist. So if he wasn't racist, the reason why he would have got a monster pop because they spend every moment reminding you how big he is. They're not doing that for Punk. 
They it's didn't put church. they didn't put Hogan on television for three years, but I, that's a semantics thing. So what it's I'm saying, no, but history, but, history but, wise, yeah, 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 I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. It's I think I said it's quiet for Punk semantics. for four years. So if yep. he just shows up, there are people who got into it who are going to be like, "Who's who? this guy?" Yeah, even yeah. like Bret Hart, they had to tell you he's coming back and then re-educate you on the history. Like all these guys, they re-educate okay. you. I think that's a that's a different that's a different thing because Bret Hart was gone for 15 plus years. I think. It's a situation where four or five years, I still think, and I only reason I use that example is because we've seen wrestlers come back and get sizable reactions after three or four years away. Now, I don't think a wrestler at the level of CM Punk, which I, which is why my point is that he comes back in the next. If he pops out of the Rumble, everyone and their mom is going to pass out. And I say that from the standpoint of the don't, 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 don't put, put that in the ethos because people will be I'm like, "Yo, <laughs> bring Punk back in the Rumble. I'm here for it. I'm ready." People like, will be like, like, is Punk coming back? Let me put some butts on it. Look, I'm with it. Bobby Look. Lashley, right? Bobby Lashley showed up, and he got a mixed reaction, and he like, he was still working. He had his name out there. Granted, he wasn't ever at the level of Punk when he I was think that's the, that's the big That's was. the difference. That's the difference. I think he I mean, was. I th- oh, WrestleMania level? Yeah, he he shaved. I mean, him and Donald Trump. Right. That. <laughs> but he hung out being because he just popped up out of nowhere. Certain guys, I don't know if they could just pop up out of nowhere. And if you want to do that, you have to be talking about them. At least I think he's one of those gone. guys. He could pop up and have that. And I think that's the fundamental thing that I'm saying. I think if he comes back tomorrow as a wrestler, everyone is super excited. Now, from there, he's got to hold it down. But I do think yeah. he still has the legacy. Now, as a UFC guy, I can't speak to that because I don't watch UFC. What uh, I will say uh, is, it sounds like he should not do UFC anymore. <laughs> two things. <laughs> two things. Um, two things. One, I think Bobby Lashley needs a new WrestleMania moment <laughs> just for his career, yeah. um, because if he's also 100%. always associated with that, I think they should change his WrestleMania moment. Second, I think Punk is really bad at UFC because, you know, looking back at it now, he's really kind of like the the nerd or the unathletic kid who became really good at professional wrestling and i think there's a general i would i would amend that and say the backyard wrestler yeah yeah the backyard yeah, wrestler he was literally like, a backyard wrestler you don't you don't need to be necessarily athletic to do that like that, that kind of stuff you don't even really need to have an athletic background to do professional wrestling if you want to be honest with you well, that's because the other guy is working with you too. Like, it's yeah. this is true. But it, when you step into the ring, with the, to me, guy. those to me those instincts that you would normally build throughout years of like you know being football or you know amateur wrestling or all those type of stuff. He doesn't have those. He doesn't have the 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 general athletic ability to be able to pull off UFC. And that's why I kind of think it was really his downfall because. Even if you see his matches and he's wrestling and stuff, there's a there's a little sloppy just to it. It's not all crisp and everything like that. It's not like a he he's not pulling off these like Seth Rollins type you know frog splashes or like you know all these type of things. There's no sort of crisp to it. And I do think it's generally because he's not athletic. But both of these losses completely terrible. Like it, it the the there was so much hype going around the first fight and he got so much money for that first fight. Um. And it and it really failed, and he became sort of a bit of a laughing stock. And it was like, but, can he do it again? How ironic, though, too, is that like he complained about stars, and really it was only one star. It was just The Rock that he was complaining about coming back to take these big paydays in WWE, and then you turn around and do the same thing to UFC guys. Listen, and 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 also, also, I don't. 
I forgot what I was gonna say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's messed up. That's what you're gonna say. That's fucked up. That uh, my brain blanked out. Um, uh, what do I have in the next point? He's currently a commentator for Cage Fury Fighting Championships, which I did not know. <laughs> Uh, um, legacy, listen, legacy done. Listen, <laughs> he's still 2011 promo. I'm best in the ring on the mic and on commentary. I think still it still holds up. Um, he was really great on commentary. Too. He was great on commentary. <laughs> no, look at Ernest showing up when it's, it's time to talk about something. <laughs> he don't ever want to it's turn true. into something real to talk about. <laughs> is, it, is it a fact or is it not a fact? Um, oh my god, to Corey Graves, and I don't think those comparisons are really accurate or they really hold up unless you want to like talk about commentary um they're yeah. completely different dudes except that they're white dudes with tattoos they're white dudes like with tattoos music. that's somebody being racist on your timeline my <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but, um but they are good on commentary i think he he'd probably be as good if not better than Corey graves on commentary right now the last few points i probably have were that he he got in this huge defamation lawsuit with pumpkin you know, Punk and Cabana got, you know, served with a lawsuit for a defamation lawsuit over allegations of medical malpractice in 2015. Um, it did not go to court until 2018. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm looking at all the moments that we talked about in 2018 for our podcast. And this moment, CM Punk and Colt Cabana being, you know, winning against Dr. Amon, Amon, well, um, Dr. Iman, and it's not really one of the moments. And I'm wondering, like, is is Punk really? Are we really like kind of like absolving ourselves of Punk at this point? But he still, I mean, he won. He won the lawsuit. Um, Dr. Iman wasn't able to improve that the insults actually hurt his medical career because he's still right, signed he still by had the, his job. He was yeah. Still, like, he probably got a raise in between now and then. Yeah, prob- <laughs> probably. And there was like a lack of confidentiality about some things and all this other stuff. Um, Greg, this entire lawsuit fiasco, um, considering you're the lawyer and the rest of us are just, you know, not there as was no way. I said this from the beginning. Um, there was no way that Punk and Cabana were going to lose the lawsuit. I, I said that Doc should have settled. Um, everybody was stubborn, so they didn't want to settle. And you see that a lot in in the courtroom where people, they set their expectations one way and then they want that exact thing. And sometimes, I mean, maybe that's on Doc's lawyers to tell them, like, we're going to lose. Like, this, <laughs> is not, this is not, this is going to cost you in the end. And I don't know if there were settlement offers on the table, but yeah, they should have settled. And I know I saw some, some articles saying that Punk was being stubborn and that he should have settled and and blah 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 and like no there's there's no way if I'm Punk I wouldn't settle because of exactly what you said he didn't lose his job so where are the damages like we don't you don't pay out for hurt feelings. Um, if there's one person who probably wishes he had settled at some point, it's Colt Cabana because Colt Cabana now is suing CM Punk. Um. Due to major legal legal fees that Punk agreed to pay, and, and Punk originally won the first lawsuit, and I guess it was Cole Cabana's refiling. Um, no, Cole he Cabana- didn't win the first lawsuit. It got um, dismissed without without prejudice, which means that they could bring it back. So he didn't necessarily lose. It was just the court saying that we're not gonna we're not gonna hear it. Gotcha. Um, so now it's it, it's weird because the the impetus for this lawsuit and and the fact that, you know, Coca Bana and CM Punk are friends are now the reason why they're no longer friends. And now, you know, Coca Bana feels like CM Punk owes him a lot of money um, 
for initially agreeing to pay all his sort of legal fees because CM Punk said, listen, side with me. Don't take down that podcast. Leave it up. And Cole Cabana, you know, agreed. And now he's really paying the price of it. So it's kind of interesting to see where this goes into 2019. Um, but yeah, kind of a lot of things for Punk has not gone the way it should have been, the way I would hope he would hope it would have gone. Since God don't like ugly. God don't like ugly, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I'm a fan, but I can't co-sign that one, G. That's not, yeah, that's not it. I that's mean, not it. He's going he's gonna to come out on the on the winning side of that one, too, it's looking like. But um, He's probably going to come out a loser and kind of like a friendship and like all this yeah. other stuff. Well, he already lost that friendship and a bunch of others, so I think he's fine with that. But, I mean... It's just a shame for Colt that it's like the court of law, not the court of fairness. Because if you, if he would have wanted to settle, and he would have settled and left Punk in it, then he wouldn't have been um, in this position where he is now, and so much debt. And he, I'm sure he can prove that the only reason that he didn't settle was because Punk made some assurances that he backed off of. Which, right. you know, I would have some sympathy towards that if I was right. the judge in this case, but it doesn't look like. The judge in this case does so. He's gonna be, he's gonna have to hold that L because he um, supported his friend, which is what he was saying he was doing in the podcast in the first place, which is just like he's just supporting a, a friend to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sucks. It kind of sucks, right? It's, you know. Um, closing thoughts. Um, overall legacy of CM Punk. What's everyone's? I mean, I think we've heard it throughout this podcast at various times. Um, I, I'm interested. First, I want to go. I want to go on Justin's first because I feel like Justin, in terms of, I think it's the it's the most vast difference between him before him leaving and after him leaving, and everything that you've learned in between then, and kind of what this uh, you know decision and what side are you kind of on now in terms of legacy of CM Punk? Um, I think CM Punk is for sure one of the most influential pro wrestlers of all time. Uh, that will never change in my eyes. I think as far as CM Punk in 2019, of course I would be excited if he came back. I also think that he'd be a hypocrite if he came back. I think I think of things a little bit through a different lens now from what he said before in 2014 and what he says now. And it's like, I know what you were trying to do and I know what you were fighting for, but you, in a, in a sense, kind of gave up on that fight. And I think that like, even if he would have showed up at like AEW or at All In last year, I think that would have been an exciting moment for wrestling. But he just doesn't want to do it. And that's completely fine. Live your life. But don't act like your legacy going to be intact when you're getting knocked out in two minutes and getting choked the fuck out and you're, you're hosting Beastmaster on Netflix and shit like that. Like, that, is a, that is a fucking, I mean, lesser than Jesse Ventura type career. That's like a fucking Jack Swagger like career at this point. It's like he was supposed to be so much more. This motherfucker was on Jimmy Kimmel. At one point, on Jimmy Kimmel, he was yeah, he, Kim, he, Kimmel is not The Ultimate though. Warrior was on Arsenio Hall. That don't mean nothing. I think it's see, a let, see, but Ernest, it's my, <laughs> it's my time. About, it's my time. But Ernest, it's my time. Ernest, it's my time. It's my time, though. It's my time, though. Ernest, reclaiming my time. It's my time, Ernest. Anytime anyone says anything bad about punk. Ernest will come out of the fucking woodwork. I get it. Punk means a lot to me, too. And I think that's what people forget. Like, punk is very influential to me in my life. However, I got to call a spade a spade here. If I wouldn't rock with one of my homeboys doing that, if I wouldn't rock with a regular person doing that shit, I'm not going to give punk a pass, no matter how fucking influential he is. And that's just the way that I am. Anyway, I think that punk absolutely, as far as the court of public opinion, has completely gone down the drain. 
and it's gone down the drain in my eyes too. Like this is someone who is always we've always thought to him to to be stand a stand up guy, and it's come up that he's not, and that's for everyone. And and again, it's just a it's just more proof of maybe you should never. You shouldn't. I, I always feel like you shouldn't idolize people. You shouldn't deify regular people, and that's absolutely what I had to come to learn with him and other people. You know, even within what I do for a living, you know, it's like you don't idolize these people. And I think that's what came down to with Punk. And I think that my opinion is he's a great guy all the way up to 2014. And after that, I don't know who the fuck he is anymore. And that's just my my that's my thoughts on the legacy of CM Punk. Ernest, legacy of CM Punk. <laughs> Right. He's about to I'm cry. He's about to cry. I'm, yeah, I'm going to cry because I'm going to actually it's agree his time. with you. I'm it's actually going to agree with you. That's why I'm going to cry. Um, I actually agree with J5. I think that the personal stuff that takes place after 2014, I believe, is one of the biggest like muffs of a career in a long time, right? I think that you have – he will, in addition to being very influential and being very you know um, pivotal to the growth of wrestling in America and the world – um, from that standpoint, I think he also is one of probably going to end up being one of the biggest what ifs ever, right? And so I think at the same time, I am of the I'm of the mindset where it's like I I don't I'm not going to condone dude because you know the actions that he did with the the, the the lawsuit and things of that nature because that's not personally what I think was the right thing to do. What I will say is this: I think that there is no such thing as blind loyalty to anything, right? I think that you don't have to have a loyalty. Like I am not a blind loyal CM Punk fan. What I am is a person who recognizes his influence to a level. And I say to myself, okay, even if he does, if he, let's say, let's say the worst case scenario happens and he ends up doing like, I don't know, uh, the mass singer or like, oh my gosh. Weird, you know, or something crazy like that. That to me will just be more of, because I think the other thing that we're trying to think about here is these are professional wrestlers. G. The, the the level to transfer into a mainstream career that's worthy of quote unquote respect is not there's not that many people in that list. And so I think, you know, you you have to kind of say for a professional wrestler, he's doing exactly what I would expect a professional re- a, a retired professional wrestler to do. Right. The, 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 so, real world, the real world Rose Rules Challenge. Bro, but it's better that than him doing XPW death matches and stuff like that <laughs> with, the, with the old format back in the day. Right. All ex WWE guys. But he shit on Miz for that. But my thing is, he shit on Miz for that. He did, and you know what? He's a hypocrite for that. That's fine. People hypocrite. People grow up and end up. You, you know, there's a lot of people who do things now that they told themselves when they were 21 they were never gonna do, for a check (laughs) or for love or for any other thing like that. So I think it is incredibly unrealistic to say that dude hasn't achieved a lot. I think his legacy is perfectly fine. And I think unless it's just, unless he pulls some Benoit stuff, right? I think that's what we talk about. That's the difference in the situation for me. What I'm saying is his extreme. legacy is intact with, but it's but I, I'm saying that's what I'm talking about. Right, right. His right, legacy right. is intact with me until he does something to ruin his legacy to me. I don't think him getting smoked out at <laughs> UFC is ruining his legacy because he was never a <laughs> UFC guy. So I don't care. That was his dream. That was his dream, bro. Bro, hey, I have had dreams all the time too. I thought I was going to be an astronaut. <laughs> then I took calculus. And I was like, nope, never mind. <laughs> you hear me? I got choked out by calculus. Oh, calculus. my God. What I'm saying, I, think we, I think we all, we all dropped out the calculus. Everybody took it. It was a three-minute warning squash. I promise. <laughs> I got pulled oh. to a table. But I digress. What I'm saying is one of the most influential wrestlers ever, um, one of the guys who put Chicago wrestling on the map for this generation, and personally a person that I hope returns 
to a squared circle in the near future. Oh, oh Greg, you know, legacy post, uh, including all this post, like, you know, getting insulted by Johnny Bananas on the challenge. Uh, <laughs> how, how, how will CM Punk be remembered to you? What is his legacy? And, and maybe even I'll add after that, do you ever think he'll return? Um, I don't think he'll return. But I will say that, you know, the things he's doing outside of the ring are are really diminishing his legacy for me um, from the challenges, from the going to UFC. You know, being behind the commentary table, not so much, but stepping into that ring and performing so badly. Um, because he he could have been one of the greats, right? And when we talk about, like, great pro wrestlers, it's sort of like a 1 in a 1A category. And that one category are the people who break out um, into mainstream pop culture, like, you know, the Rocks and the Hogan's and the Flair's and the Austin's. And then there's people in that, like, 1A category who are way better and mean so much more, if not um, just as much to us from a pro wrestling standpoint, who don't really crack the the pop culture, and they don't need to. And he could have been one of those guys. Um, and he just, uh, he gave it away for a spot on the card. It just... <laughs> that seems crazy to me, like, but um, but yeah, the more he does to to diminish that, it just it looks worse and worse to me. And that's not even without touching on his the way he treated Colt Cabana, this court case, and just the way he's moved after that. It's like, you know, J Five said uh, before 2014 he's a great guy, and then after that, not so much. And it it almost feels like before 2014 he was playing this really likable guy. And it was all right to me. And, like, I brushed aside all those reports of him, you know, being a certain way backstage or, like, being difficult to talk to and difficult to work with. And now I have to reconcile with the fact that maybe he was a dick this whole time. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I enjoyed the WWE work. I always will. It's always on the network for me to go back and revisit. But the longer he stays away and, you know, the more he tries to distance himself from that, and it's just making them look worse and worse in my eyes. Yeah, I, I think honestly, um, the more he distances himself away from professional wrestling and kind of wipes his hands of it, is the more is the worse he'll look in sort of the eyes of the fans, and that will kind of, you know, down you know, ruin his kind of legacy. To me, being open about it and being open that you were a fan of wrestling and you are we were a wrestler and you still can't appreciate these other wrestlers going out there and doing their thing and not really trying to run from it um would do so much more wonders for him but the fact that for the last number of years he's acted like wrestling has been this bad word and maybe to him it is because maybe to him it's kind of been very very much soiled and it's it, it, things have it's taken away from his life and it's taken away from the things that he's loved and all these other things but at the same time it's just like i feel like i don't want to say you owe to the fans you don't really owe anything we buy our tickets and then we you know we choose to do whatever we want to do but at the same time it's like have respect for these people and have respect for everyone else i mean professional wrestling isn't a bad word for loving something for 20 years and doing it and just because of some circumstances that were beyond your control kind of just you know you throwing all that history and throwing all that kind of away kind of stinks and it's, to me it's one of the reasons why like when I'm blocked by CM Punk, I know I'm not really missing anything because yeah. it's kind of, yeah, it's like, I know he's just talking about hockey and, 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 and baseball. So it's kind of like, but also I don't feel like he's really 
I feel like he's like, oh, I understand these fans are people and I were friends too. But at the same time, it's just like trying to ignore professional wrestling and yeah. trying to act like it didn't happen and trying to act like it's such a bad thing. And, you know, it, and it, maybe Vince McMahon and, you know, WWE and Triple H and whoever else, maybe they weren't good to him. But like you said, pro wrestling was very good to him. Yeah. Pro wrestling is the reason why he is who he is. And pro wrestling is why he is CM Punk overall. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know what Ernest is trying to say. <laughs> gotcha. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Do you have any final words? Anyone has any final words? I am looking forward to the retrospective about Dolph Ziggler's career in the next five years. Oh hell no. no! I will, I will, I will not be in this. I will not be on that show. Was it his actual career in the next five years, or? I mean, I just like retrospective. I'm just talking about Dolph Ziggler two uh, mil, two year, three mil contract. Like that's all the rage that I heard. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank you guys for coming through, Ernest and and Greg. Oh yeah, thanks this for is, having me. Anytime, I really appreciate it. I th- I think this has been amazing. I think this has been also, you know us looking at CM Punk, someone who we all admired at some point and really kind of, you know, saying what's real about it and saying everything, you know, that were on our minds over the last five years. I mean, this five years, have, the WWE has really changed. And I say, you know, the era that CM Punk in, I don't think WWE even looked at itself like the conglomerate that it could probably be. Um, and, and it's really a shame that CM Punk isn't here to be all, you know, a part of this. But once again, this is part of his own decision. And um, I would, you know, in terms of wrestling career, I do believe he's an influential and in, 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 in amazing wrestler. Um, I'm yeah. I'm done talking about CM Punk for another five years. I, you know what? Unless he pops up, unless he pops up, he pops up on Monday Night Raw. You know, the A Show has got to cover it. I'm sure cheap as well. We have to. Um, anything that oh, you hey, like? And to- if we got an episode, please call me in because I'm gonna cut the promo of a century. Oh, whatever. I'm not calling. We're going to make sure we don't call him. Me too. Cause I don't really hear it. Ernest, do you have anything to plug? Um, follow me on the internet at Ernest Wilkins. Even though I'm from an A-plus city, there is no A in Ernest. I appreciate your time. <laughs> Ernest Greg. Wilkins on Twitter and Instagram. Yep. Greg, what about you? Uh, at StatGuyGreg on Twitter and Instagram. Like you said, co-host of ESPN's Cheap Heat Podcast. You can find us on uh, ESPN's app, the Pod Center. Um, iTunes, um, at that guy Greg on Twitter and Instagram. I'm sort of active, um, and I'm I'm down for some witty banter. So if you don't like <laughs> anything I said here, feel free to find me there. We can we can talk it out or not. It's up to you. Listen, not afraid to deliver the smoke. I've seen it in person. Not, um, not <laughs> <laughs> um, Justin. I- Plug us, please. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. As always, <laughs> if there's anything you've missed, you can check us out at RNC Radio Live on Twitter. And we're also on Instagram as well. Uh, you can check out all of our podcasts, of course, on Apple, Sp- Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. And uh, I think I might be missing a couple, but we also have the A Show every week. We have also uh, RSBN every week with, with Mark and Jeff. Uh, you guys know the rest. We, we're also running our Royal Rumble pool. So if you if you are in that, Good luck because that that's that's coming up this week, I believe. 
Yeah, yeah. By the time you hear this, I think the pool will be open by the time you hear this and you have one more day to sort of join. But if you do win the Royal Rumble pool, you'll be able to get on an episode of the A-Show. It's literally open to the fans. So um, if you're a fan and would love one day, it's one day it's your dream, to, you know, not being UFC, but on, to be a guest on the A-Show. Um, this is a great way. The Royal Rumble pool, the Royal Rumble is coming up next week, Sunday. So you can definitely check that out. Um yeah, and until then, we'll see you next time. Damn, I, I'm I'm used to J Five cutting us out. J Five, you cut us out so I can say you know the magic words. All right, until this this Thursday's episode of the A Show. Uh, see you next time on another special episode of, of course, the A Show. Happy Rusev Day. <laughs>